The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. And welcome to another edition of Rediscovering the Indies, a independent wrestling history podcast brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. I am Chris Gullo, joined alongside Jonathan Ash. Hey, everybody. And uh, we got another fun episode for you. First, I want to thank everybody that listened to our ECW Super 8 episode. Uh, shout out to the ECWA crowd uh, and the crew. Uh, they uh, retweeted, liked, and, and enjoyed it. Uh, Everybody from the promotion, like Mike Law was retweeting it for us. Mr. Ulala uh, retweeted it for us and a few others that were uh, involved with that. So uh, shout out to them. Uh, very cool. Uh, it was a really fun episode. Um, and they got their ECWA Super 8 tournament coming up uh, in the next couple of months. And check that out. Ricky Morton's in it, which is freaking sweet. So uh, de- de- definitely long check overdue. that out. Yeah, long overdue. Uh, definitely check that out. But um uh, first off, obviously, thank you all for listening to us. Remember, on Twitter, we're at RTI Pod, Facebook, Rediscovering Indies, as well as Instagram, Rediscovering the Indies. Uh, and we're on, you know, uh, Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Amazon. And, and Amazon Pod. Yes, Amazon Music. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, definitely check us out on all those uh I know those outlets there, um, wherever you listen to your podcast, but, uh, um, really excited about today's episode. Uh, I, I hate that I have to put this disclaimer, but remember we use a lot of this research from Dave Meltzer. If you don't think it's true or it's not true, understandable, but it's something that Dave printed, you know, go, go after Dave, go after Brian Alvarez, <laughs> go after cagematch.com, you know? Yeah. So go after history we like to call ourselves like we're we're amateur historians, maybe not, but we're, we're historians. You know, we're 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 finding this research and, and we're bringing it to you. And we have some stories in the way that we experience, and those are true and and all that. But uh, but um, I know the heart today's episode is about Bruce Hart's Stampede Wrestling, and I know the hearts are controversial in the aspect of some people love them, some people don't, and it's people get sensitive. So when it comes to the Hart family, so uh, definitely just putting that disclaimer out there. There's no ill will meant this episode. I personally enjoy Bruce Hart. I think he's a very interesting individual, a guy I would love to have a beer with. So. Uh, until we get to the Smith Hart stories. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. So, um, But uh, we'll kind of get right into it here. We wanted to kind of do this. uh, This is something uh, when we first started talking about the show, something I always want to talk to because I knew about the names of the talent that that Bruce thought was a good idea and all that. So I can't wait to get into all that. But just to give you guys an overview, Stampede Wrestling, before it was an independent wrestling promotion, was a territory in Calgary. Obviously, I know most of our listening audience does know that, but... Those who don't know, it, it was a territory that ran for a long time in Calgary. And then uh, in about uh, 84, a lot of the talent goes to WWE, but Stu would be the local promoter for sta- for WWE shows. Or, and it was something that Bruce didn't like because yeah, Bruce so, wanted to run shows. Yeah, so as Vince was going through the natural expansion, he was invading territories. He was buying up other territories. 
presented an idea to Stu where the story was it was a million dollars, a hundred thousand per year, and Vince would own Stampede. He would get the time slots, and then Stu would be the local promoter, and everything was good in '84. Uh, the stipulation was Vince had to get Vince had to bring on Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, and the Bulldogs. And would take over the area. Now, the reports that we've uncovered state that uh, attendance for these those early WWF shows weren't up to par with what Stampede had. Vince kind of started pulling back, not running Western Canada as much. Uh, Bruce, from what, again, from what we've read in history books and The Observer, that Bruce was left out in the cold there. He was upset that he assumed he was going to be the uh, Calgary promoter and the Western Canadian promoter, not his dad, and started running uh, running on his own, running an independent called Stampede Wrestling in 85. Uh, whether it was the low drawing of the WWF shows or Bruce running his own thing, it's there's two sides of that story, but... Vince went to Stu in 85 and just canceled the deal and said, after paying him the first $100,000, told him I'm not going to pay you anything else, but you have my blessing to continue to run. Vince kept the TV deal, which is probably the most valuable part of that deal. And Vince also kept the Hard Foundation and the Bulldogs and the other major stars he brought on since then. So Stampede, now from 85, could start running again, but it basically had to start from scratch with no TV. And with 85 to 89, um, we're not going into much detail because I still consider it a territory. It ran every day uh, in, in Calgary. And yes, Bruce was involved, but we're going to talk more about Bruce Hart's independent wrestling ventures, which are... <laughs> oh, but, but yeah, 80, 85 to 89 still had, like, that's when Pillman... Talent was amazing in that territory. You had Brian Pillman, you had Owen Hart. They really built up the light lightweight division at that point. So, like, it was, yeah, it was still a territory. It wasn't as successful. And obviously why it closed up shop in 89. But, yeah, there was, it was still chugging along in Western Canada. And I think people, you know, they see his WWE gimmick as the Bastion Booger. But people don't realize how great of a heel Munkin Singh was, too. Oh, yeah. In this time period from 85. And if you look at a list, a young Conan is working Stampede during this time period. And... You know, there's there there goes to be a bunch of names in that 85 to 89 that go on to be like pretty big stars that, you know, it was kind of almost like a starter territory. And they also excursion talent came there, too, from Japan. Oh, well, throughout the 70s and 80s, uh, Stampede was always a stop for Japanese talent because, again, you're you're on the West Coast. It's easy to fly in and out. Plus, uh, it's much easier to get into Canada to uh to work as a foreigner than it is uh in other sta- in other countries but uh but yeah a lot of a lot of stars started there uh in the 80s late 80s especially it just stampede always seemed like it was one of those feds where you had one of those territories that you had to work like it was you had to go up there you had to do those do those long ass drives in a in, in a van or in a bus do, yeah like 12 18 hour drives like we've 
you and I have done some drives into into Canada, into eastern Canada, northern parts of Canada, and we know a lot of people have done those death tours, yep. the ice tours. Shout, like, shout out to Rex Atkins. Yeah, there we we've heard this story like that was commonplace there, and it, it hardens you as a r- worker. Sort of like like the equivalent would be like the mid south, the mid south runs where it's twelve to fifteen hour days in cars. Yep. Think of that, but replace cars with with a van in below freezing weather i mean it's always talked about like if you were in texas unless you worked uh unless you worked for paul bosch which he didn't run all the time you traveled like crazy in texas because of the long and that's what it was like too like um i like i you hear you'll see in interviews people always talk about the travel in canada even for Vern too in awa and it was there was long distances so not the most uh tranquil it wasn't like going to work at Pensacola. <laughs> like it's, well no it's it's not, it wasn't a territory for veterans yeah a veteran is going it, it to was do for guys that really a, show their yeah a veteran's going to do continental territory they're going to do florida they're going to do san francisco they're even going to do the uh don owen because most of the time you're home every night it's short drives and though it's easy no snow it's easy on your body so like the vets would work there if you're if you were a rookie starting out you're going to you you're gonna pick you're gonna go where the opportunity is and there's always opportunity in in stampede and like we said that's where chris jericho got a start lance storm which we'll talk about both of them in a second yeah but as we as as we go on now and in like i said in 89 like 1989 seemed to be like a year a lot of territory started closing up shop i was gonna bring up that same point that like 80, you know, it ends in 89. 89 really was a death territory area because, I mean, even though he technically ran in 90, Vern was done. Stampede was done in 89. World Class was officially done in 89. That's when Jared took over. Um, and it's, and, and uh, uh, Central States, I think, too. 89's our official last. Central, yeah, Central States basically the, the, cleaned up because they, of the WWWA, whatever they call it after. Well, when, yeah. when Crockett, Crockett bought in all yeah. these companies and kind of like they all fell by the wayside when Crockett went belly up and had to sell it to Turner. So by that point, yeah, like Florida, the sep, running a separate territory in Florida was pretty much done. Yeah. Like everything changed. And then Portland 89. was only like two years behind. And Don Owen tried to hold out. You know, as 89 long as he was could. a great year for Portland. Yeah. We, Don Owen, like he was. You that's kind of off. Well, no, it's not really off topic because it's the same general region, Pacific Northwest. But yeah. Don Owens kept going, like into like ninety two. I want to say just because uh, he was out there on his own, like no one bothered him. WWE rarely ran there too because it's so far of the way. Well, the 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 Don Owen Portland thing will actually become a little relevant later when I talk about when we talk about Bruce Hart and trying to be developmental. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I, what we're really going to focus on is really like 99 to 2005, but there's a lot of great tidbits on the way to 99. And so stampede is done as an official territory. Uh, the last show they run as a territory is December 15th, 1989. That's, that's, and that's like the one Conan was on. And 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 that and, and that was it. There is this span of three random shows in the summer of ninety, all in Saskatchewan, and then uh, which which I'll talk about right now. And this is Bruce. Bruce is now basically just trying to keep the Stampede name alive in these little spot shows. 
Uh, I think he was just always reaching for maybe maybe to find a little bit of success, maybe to find a money mark, maybe hoping for something to go, but he's still trying. I think that's that's all Bruce knew to do was to promote wrestling. And these three cards in Saskatchewan, I mean, they're not really to go home. We got Steve DeSalvo and Jason Anderson, Jesse Helton, Roy Red Crow, Kim Shaw versus Len Crazy Horse, Johnny Smith versus Biff Wellington, and Bruce Hart versus Jason Moffat. Uh, and I would imagine it's really the same mix of, I mean, the great gamma is in actually, so actually well, the next night, Bob, different card, believe it or not. The next night, Bob Emery versus Cole Mason, the great gamma, gamma Singh versus Biff Wellington, uh, Johnny Smith versus Chris Benoit Conan. So Conan, oh no, I'm looking at 89. My bad. I'm sorry. I was looking at 89 there. Here we go. I was like, wait a minute. Conan came back. No, here's the second show in 90 Rick Titan, Rick Bogner. Versus Jesse Helton, Dr. Shivago versus Roy Redcrow, Butch Moffat versus Steve DeSalvo, Kim Shaw versus Len Crazy Horse, and Bruce Hart versus Johnny Smith. So a little mix of the same talent, um, but uh, it, it comes Rick off. Titan's in there. Yeah. No, uh, Fake Razor Moan, he, uh, yeah. he worked he worked regularly up in up in that area from everything I was doing when I was doing the research. Um, yeah, I, this is very similar, similar to... AWA when we went over when we did the AWA stuff uh the AWA show where early 90s you still had a good amount of old 80s territory guys like there was there really wasn't a transition period until like the late 90s in all of wrestling too like we went over the ECWA stuff too it was similar you had a lot of old territory guys a lot of old indie guys and like the change started happening Stampede didn't have that change yet you were still having they're still trying to bank on the old, the old names that fans in that area knew. Like you're trying to go for the nostalgia. Yeah, and, and and this last show on this Saskatchewan tour in '90 was Rick Titan versus Steve DeSalvo. By the way, there's no results on these. <laughs> uh, Butch Mob versus Doctor Chivago, Jesse Helton versus Len Crazy Horse, Johnny Smith versus Roy Red Crow, and then Bruce Hart versus versus Biff Wellington, which actually might not be a bad match. So there Bruce is yeah. still working regularly yes. on these shows too. There you have it. In, in, in 90, these three random shows in Saskatchewan. I'm assuming a bought tour, I would imagine. Um, but, uh, you know, you that, got, that's not close to Calgary. It's you got not. Johnny Smith. You got DeSalvo. I mean, it, it's not star studded, but I mean, I'm sure they're, they weren't the worst cards. Uh, and then and then and then let's see here. Then they run one show on December 27th, 1991. Uh, just randomly out of nowhere, we're, Stampede's back, uh, and then it's Len Sinclair, aka Luther, yes. versus Bob Bryan, the Destroyer, uh, which I'm not really familiar with this guy that much. Uh, versus Ken Johnson, Skull Mason, uh, versus Jeff Wheeler, uh, Rhonda Singh, aka Bertha Fay, uh versus Desiree Patterson and then a six man tag match. Bad news Allen. So I think this was probably him coming home and just because he ended up like doing Texas and Global and stuff, I believe, if I remember correctly. Cause there's a really awesome match of Bad News Brown versus uh Godfather. Like in, in like yeah. in Global. But there's Bad News Allen, Champagne Jury Morrow, and the Great Gamma versus Ben Basarab, Mike Lazansky, and uh uh, Phil Lafer of uh, AKA Phil Lafon, and then uh, Mike Lazansky was like Mike Anthony. Uh, 
of ECW fame. And attendance, it says uh, circa or average of 500. Yeah, and and this is just and, – and now this one's in Calgary. So I don't know if they were just, hey, let's see if this will work. And, and then they do try it. Uh, like I'm going to say that probably was it. It was it, it was a Friday night show, and I like running Calgary on a Friday night was their thing. So that tells me this was more of Bruce probably thought like let's try something up and let's let's test the waters here. So Bruce goes, you know, what, let's try it the next month. Maybe we'll have a, make a regular thing out of this. And in '92, you had Len Sinclair, aka Luther, versus Lance Storm. Not even not even a month later. That's like two weeks later. Yes, it's yeah. January 10th. Ron Ritchie versus Dr. Zhivago. Champagne Jory Morrow versus Jeff Wheeler. Chris Jericho and Desiree Peterson versus Rhonda Singh and the Great Gamma. Hopefully there's footage of that. <laughs> Bad News Allen versus Mike Lazansky and Phil LaFer, uh, a.k.a. Phil LaFon versus Ben Bassarab. So, I mean, you get you get to see some of the future like really good talent to come out of Calgary as far as Lance Storm and Rhonda Singh and and Chris Jericho um but uh still just a just weird man I mean Mike Lazansky was a great talent too but just just weird that like okay we're back for two shows and then we don't have another Stampede show for three years well yeah first show do 500 second show do 300 the estimate like obviously that it was two weeks later, also on a Friday. This tells me Bruce is trying to start something back up again, and maybe using some local, using more local talent, using some cheaper talent, some students, because he already had his school going. So he's already training Lance Storm. He's training Chris Jericho. So this definitely feels like Bruce is like trying to start something up. But after the second show, drawing only three hundred, he probably realized it's not going to get any better. Um, now we do got some, uh, notes here, uh, in 95, uh, before we get to that though, there was a show on, uh, July 23rd, 1995 in Rockyford, Alberta, Canada. And on this show, now that we were talking about this one off air, Harry Smith and TJ Wilson, 10 year old Harry Smith and 15 year old TJ Wilson, Actually, nine years old, He's nine, two months yes. away from being 10, nine years old. Harry Smith and 15-year-old T.J. Wilson versus uh, Matt Annis, Teddy's brother, which I'm uh, um, not sure what his age was at this time. And then Teddy Hart was also 15 years old at that time. Wow. In 1995, folks, in 1995, Tyson Kidd, <laughs> Teddy Hart, and Davey Boy Smith Jr. are working shows. It's crazy. To think. They had WWE dark matches in Calgary shows like a few years later, too. Like They were... They were quite young at that time. It's a, yeah, so th- there's a trivia fact. Uh, you know, did, did uh, Tyson Kidd work in 1995 and Harry, and Harry Smith? And yes, they did. Uh, we also had Biff Wellington. Uh, Biff Wellington versus uh, Ken Johnson. Uh, Jason Helton versus Ross Hart. Finally get another Hart involved. Uh, Jason Anderson versus Morris Napos. Uh, Bruce Hart and Keith Hart versus the Cuban assassin in Gama Singh. And then Morris Nipus, whoever that is, <laughs> it was the battle royal winner for this little one-off in 95. It looks like he was an Alberta guy, too, also known as Red Thunder. Um, But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm assuming summer 95, 
it's at the Rockford Rodeo bought show. You know, like, hey, we're bringing back wrestling. And they would just throw the Stampede name on there. And, whoa, wh- where does this sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dale Gagner? Yeah. Oh, yes, I can sell you an AWA show at a random Arizona State Fair in 1998. Yeah. Yeah. South, remember the, the South Dakota run? <laughs> that's, that's what this is. Oh, we're just going to put a random show in the rodeo in uh 95 and he gets that rodeo deal two day two years later but before before we uh we touch about that uh so there is some notes here december 4th 1995 uh they were going to do a heart family show december 15th at the calgary saladum the show is supposed to be and this is from melter the show is supposed to be a celebration of the 50th anniversary of Stu Hart wrestling in canada the 80 year old heart is the patriarch and one of the biggest wrestling families in history with eight sons uh, who've wrestled in Calgary and several son, son-in-laws, uh, most notably Jim Nyer and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Now, Hart Stampede Territory, of course, was legendary for its tough working conditions and brutal winter weather and hardships both caused. Uh, there used to be a saying in the wrestling alumni, I survived Calgary with the idea that if a wrestler could survive in the territory, they can go on to start him anywhere. The Stampede Territory, in many ways, was the missing link when it came to work style between American and Japanese style. And besides family members, some of the biggest names of recent history wrestled in the Calgary Territory during their formative years. Like Jushin Liger and uh, Nobuhiko Takata and Toshiki Kawada and Hiroshi Hase and Chris Benoit, Brian Pillman, Jake Roberts, Dan Crawford and the Dynamite Kid. Uh, It was also uh, a haven for lighter wrestlers calling mid heavyweights and was the first promotion in North America to employ a fast-paced high-tech move styles of wrestling that's really helped pilma's development too and uh, uh this show obviously did happen i just put the i just put the link in there for you awesome so uh yeah uh 4600 so that's a really good uh really good attendance uh it's definitely not a WWE show but it did have WWE talent on it yeah, well, because it, it, from what I gather, because, like, I, I'd be listening to other podcasts, and these do come up in the notes, too. And it, it's it's just kind of a favor that, that Vince does. He'll oh, send, yeah. He'll send some talent uh, talent up there. Um, but just a little bit of note on the main event due to WF's angle and Shawn Michaels' health had to be changed to Brett defending the WF title against Smith in a preview of their pay-per-view match two nights later. Razor and Roman now defend the IC title against Owen Hart. Among the other matches are... Oh, Davey, Davey Boy Smith, not Smith Hart. Yeah, no, Davey I, Boy I got Smith. It. I got excited. Yeah, no, 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 not Smith Hart, which... Bret Hart was a Smith Hart in 1995 for the WWF title. <laughs> You're kidding. Like, who wouldn't want to see that? You know, you got Ross involved, Keith involved in these spot shows, and uh, we're Smith. <laughs> Nowhere to be found. Um, uh, but uh, among the other matches, our Benoit versus opponent named to be later was scheduled to be Dean Douglas, but because of a back injury, they'll mostly need a sub. Uh, Phil LaFleur, uh, All Japan's Dan Crawford versus the 123 Kid, and Terry Funk uh, versus Bruce and Keith Hart. And what Terry Funk will be the final match of his career <laughs> during Turbo in North America. How'd that go for him? <laughs> Terry Funk's final match in 1995 in North America. His first retirement match was in the early 80s. This doesn't surprise me. <laughs> oh, man. But why Why would even Dave believe this? You know Terry. Like, the fact that Terry sold out Amarillo in 97. like this is That was guy. supposed to be his retirement match. <laughs> 
And then he turned it to his retirement retirement match in North America, and then his retirement match in Texas, and then his (laughs) retirement match in Amarillo. My retirement match in the month of February. I'll never wrestle (laughs) another match in the month of February ever again. It's well, it's it's just funny because like you see that with Terry, and then like three years later, he's he's hitting people with a rubber chicken in WCW. Like, but anyways, um, we could talk about Terry all day, Uh, but. uh, you had the original Dan Crovett versus the Mongolian Stomper in a reprise of their 1973 feud, which was the biggest in Stampede Wrestling history, plus Ronda Singh, uh, Munkin Singh, and Gary Albright all booked for the show. So let's see what actually happened. We have the Champagne, Champagne Jerry Morrow and the Cuban Assassin versus King Lau and Mike Anthony. So Lazansky's still kind of around the territory. That's interesting. Uh, well, in the area. Uh, Munkin Singh versus Gothic Warrior. Ronda Singh versus Casey Houston. Chris Benoit versus Rad Rafford, a.k.a. Luis Bacoli. That was probably really good. Yeah. Uh, Keith Hart versus the one, two, three kid. Bru- Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart. Uh, w- w- they were bad company. Bad, 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 it was bad company, bad intentions. I can't remember. It was bad company. Yeah, it was bad company. Yeah. Uh, Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart versus the Funk Brothers, Dory and Terry. That sounds really good. Uh, then you had Razor Ramon versus Owen Hart for the IC title. And then Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog. So this worked out better. When not having Sean or Shane Douglas there. I think Owen getting a title shot against Razor Ramon and Brad versus Bulldog in Calgary. Like I I'm not sure like if those matches were announced ahead of time or if those are like last minute day like changes made that day. Um because that would have definitely been something you'd advertise to draw in fans, especially Brad versus Davey. What I find about fun about this is and this is when like all the pillman shows are always the pill memorial shows are always good to talk about the mixing of other promotions i'm pretty sure benoit's with wcw this time he just started with wcw yeah. that fall yeah yeah so th- that's a just a very very interesting uh thing uh uh so we have the aftermath uh here so there's a few no shows from yeah, a little bit uh so with december 26 1995 by all accounts the show was a major success and as much due to the atmosphere or anything else, the show on December 15th in Calgary Stampede Coral came off as a first-class event and brought together current stars from WWF and WCW along with several legends of the past. This show, however, was marred by disappointing no-shows. Dynamite Kid, the territory's biggest star and best wrestler in the late 70s, early 80s, who parlayed Stampede Wrestling and its almost legendary status in Japan, failed to show up, as did Abdul the Butcher, both without ever calling the cancel. Kid agreed to come to wrestle the show a week before the car, but was sent a plane ticket from England, where he's now living, never arrived, and never called to cancel. Kid doesn't have a phone, so they contacted him at his job, where he works as a night watchman on a steel construction site, and they had tried calling that number, but nobody answered. Finally, the day of the show, a co-worker answered the phone and said that Kid wasn't coming. When Abdul, who was on the ter- who was the territory's top heel in the early 70s, failed to get off the plane he was scheduled to arrive on, his home was called, and a person who answered told him that one of the hard sons, that he was someone who worked at the house, and that Larry Shreve, a.k.a. Uh, Butcher, uh, wasn't home and was going to Canada. Archie Golding, the Mongolian stepper, also no-showed, but he called in advance about a week before the show because he had work commitments that he couldn't get out of. And I'm sure they kept advertising him. Leading up to the day of the show, I'm 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 sure, and like, and the thing with Archie, like he had that that I mean, Smoky Mountain just ended, and I think he was probably done. Like that was kind of his swan song. But he had said, like I know Cornette has said in the past too, that Archie had a job with the court system. He was driving, 
he would he would drive the prison bus around, mm-hmm. but it was a lucrative job. He had health insurance benefits. Like he wasn't like that was his first priority over wrestling. So but, this happens in '95. So you got your little spot show. You got your. I mean, but this is definitely not only a spot show, but it's it's definitely a uh, a nostalgia show. Yeah, well, that's I was I'm talking sh- about the spot show in the, the okay, okay. The earlier in the summer, and then now you have this 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 uh yeah nostalgia show, and but it's 1995, so running regularly in Calgary is probably not the best idea because it's 1995. It's a low for everybody. Well, I guess late '95, it's. N- starts to pick up a little it's bit. It's still it's still pretty bad. I, th- I think it's more of a show like this, a once in a lifetime show, a once every few year show, a spot show with legends. You get that nostalgia factor, you get you can draw 4600 people. But did Bruce think he could do this every week? Bruce probably did think he was going to do that every week. <laughs> well, Bruce does uh he he doesn't go right away and try and again. He waits till 1997. Once again, two spot shows uh, in the uh, in that little uh, rodeo in Rockyford, Alberta, Canada. Um, on the first night, two back to back to backs here. On the first night, you have Dean Durago versus Greg Pollock, Teddy Hart versus Jordan Clark, Kevin Boswick versus Poison Ivy, T.J. Wilson, uh, Tyson Kidd versus Harry Smith, Red Thunder versus Ken Johnson, The Great Gamma versus Mike Anthony, and Bruce Hart and Ross are versus the Cuban Assassin. And Champagne Jerry Morrow. So Jerry Morrow just never left. Rocky Ford is an hour away. Yeah. 87 I, kilometers. So, like, it's still within the Calgary metropolitan area. And then, let's see here. And then the next night, the very next night on July 20th uh, in 1997, you had uh, Dean Durago versus Jordan Clark, Greg Pollock versus Kevin Boswick. Bertha Fay and Sean Morley, a.k.a. Val <laughs> Venus, versus Alexander Arafat and Rob Lafayette, uh Poison Ivy versus Red Arrow, Carl LeDuc versus Ken Johnson, and then Bruce Hart, Mike Anthony, and Ross Hart versus the Cuban Assassin, Great Gamma, and Jerry Morrow. Our buddy Val Venus popping <laughs> up uh, here. So These shows is... need to go on IWTV. Yes. The, yeah. Um, so, obviously, Val Venus, very polarizing figure, and... What I like about this show is names are going to pop up that we have experiences with. And I, you know what, Ash, I didn't preface this to you, but I'm going to talk about it. So let's talk about Mr. Val Venus. So before he was posting the stuff he is now, the, the transphobic, just awful stuff he's posting now, he, he was posting these crazy, like political conspiracy theory, like, the the black helicopters and all this crazy stuff. The, the FEMA camps. Yeah. And he, I, he's been out there for like at least five years. Yeah. And I just happened to just kind of say something like, hey, man, because I thought you were against this and now you're saying you're for this and this and then and he's like, he, and he, he, so what did I, he said, what did I kill my mind with acid or something like this or whatever. And then I just happened to throw something out there as a joke. Those who don't know, I'm also a stand-up comedian. I can come back with little funny things that I don't, they're just supposed to make me laugh. So I say to him, because we were going to, he was going to be at WrestleCon and we were going to be at WrestleCon. So I said, see you at WrestleCon. Can't wait to see you autograph tinfoil hats and glasses. I did a They Live reference. <laughs> sunglasses that help you detect lizard people. And he 
went nuts. He's like, I don't believe in lizard people. You're out of your mind. I don't believe in lizard people. If you don't believe in lizard people and somebody accuses you of not believing in lizard people, you don't react like that. Some of the weird, some of the off the shit stuff that he was believing and he was putting out there. Yeah, about chemtrails, all this stuff, whether you believe it or not, like that's besides, that's irrelevant to the point. Like, but he was believing a lot of weird conspiracy stuff. But lizard people was that was the limit. <laughs> he was he was I do not believe in lizard people. Listen to that. So he, he <laughs> WrestleCon came around and uh, had some friends uh, that made a t shirt made the 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 ESW. Uh, color commentator and the ESTB cameraman. <laughs> yep. They they had a t-shirt made by the friend Tammy and she made Val Venus believes in lizard people t-shirts that we all had. And uh, I took a picture and he didn't notice because I opened up my hoodie. Uh, I took a picture from the WrestleCon showing the Val Venus believes in lizard people. So now when he goes on his things, I just post that on post and he, and he says nothing. <laughs> like, But... Yes, Val Venus, I accused him of believing in lizard people, and he went crazy. I think he ended up blocking all of us eventually. On one of he his... has nine Facebooks. Yeah, and like 12 Twitters, too. So when one goes down, like he just picked, he just starts tweeting on the other one. So, Val Venus, ladies and gentlemen, I saw he was listed on this result, and I'm like, oh, this is, this is, this is the time. Because I don't know when we're going to really talk about Val Venus again on this show, so... Yeah. Um, but anyways, back to the rest of the card. Poison Ivy versus Red Arrow. Carl LaDuke um, versus Ken Johnson. And which, which man, Carl LaDuke must have really been trying to get out there in 97 because I think he pops up in Memphis in 96, I think. like, uh, And then you had Bruce Hart, Mike Anthony, and Ross Hart versus the Cuban Assassin, Great Gamma, and Jerry Morrow. So <laughs> kind of similar card tonight, but we have Sean Morley on it. Uh, yeah, Carl, Carl LaDuke was 20 years old at this point. And yeah, he's he made the rounds. He did some WWE stuff back then. Uh, a lot, a lot of Canadian stuff, obviously. Um, let's see here. All right. Yeah. Oh, he, he worked for Smash. He worked for PWA. I think that might be the Carl. I see it's a different Carl Duke, but that's probably the Carl Duke that's. Uh, they worked Preston Miles. Yeah, that's involved with. Um, FLQ, I want to say? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually confuse him for Joe LaDuke, but <laughs> I do know Carl. Yeah, LaDuke yeah. He, as was, well. he was steady in, in FLQ yeah. as well. So. But, yeah, yeah. wow. It, Carl working Stampede in 97. That's actually pretty. So, those of you Canadian, uh, especially Ontario and uh, Quebec indie wrestling fans, Carl LaDuke and Stampede in, uh, in, in 97, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, we got a little bit of. News and notes after these shows on August 4th, 1997, uh, Frank Sisson, who promoted weekly wrestling in Calgary after Stampede Wrestling folded, was shot in each leg on July 21st when coming out of a Calgary bank. Police believe Sisson was targeted for the shooting that they believe robbery was the motive. Sisson runs the Silver Dollar Bar and Casino who housed pro wrestling in Calgary after Stampede Wrestling shut its doors in 1989. And that's, that's the one that got the... 89 Lance Storm talks about in his shoot. Like, it's like the CNWA or something like that. They got yeah. the TV deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I put that in the notes just because, like, he is associated, loosely associated with Stampede towards the end days there and took over the time slot of TV for the short lived, uh, his short lived promotion. 
And in November 2014, Bruce Hart is talking about restarting Stampede Wrestling in Calgary with an affiliation with WCW as a way for the younger wrestlers to gain experience on the road every night. Look at look at the date. This is less than a month after the Montreal Screwjob. So he's trying to jump on. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, calls to his brother, Brett, to be like, hey, brother, can you uh, hook me up with that Bischoff guy? Well, I think he sees... All right, not only is my brother going, but he's taking Davy and Jim. Yeah. And Owen wanted to go, and he he didn't. Like he Vince wouldn't let him. Yeah, yeah, Vince wouldn't let him. Because so I think he's noticing that. He's like, oh, I'll uh, I'll come on. Fresh now. meat. He I'll thinks get, he could get his yeah. spot. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see in any world where this would work. <laughs> and no. I do say that one, I think one of WCW's biggest failures was they had too, so many guys but no direction where it may be in developmental territory, a steady would have worked. And Wild Side, it was almost too late. Wild Side was a great idea. They ran in Atlanta, well, Ron Atlanta, and they ran like pretty regular in, regularly in Georgia. And they needed something like that. Run a Florida territory, run something like that. I mean, you know, I we talked earlier, and this is what I was going to bring up, like, I think the days now it's a little different, but I think in the late nineties, early two thousands, it did suffer from not having those territories like Portland and Memphis that helped people in the early nineties. Yeah. And then all these territories in the eighties where you're gaining all that, all that experience with different crowds and how to work crowds. And it, you're not working every Saturday and Friday, you're working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I just don't see this working in 1997. Now look at the time frame. USWA is done. So there is literally no weekly territories left. Like I know, like Prentice is trying, but I don't think he's running every night. He's running a few nights a week, but the full time schedule is over. The full time schedule it's it's completely done. So yeah, if you want, I just Calgary has think was low low locale idea. Not 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 a good idea for this, especially I can't because off wanting to. you have no. to send all these guys up to Calgary. Yeah, especially because. Like up to Alberta, everything is spread out. You're driving six, seven, eight hours. Like it doesn't, it's not conducive to wrestling at that point. Wildside had the best chance of survival, but I do agree. I think it was too little, too late. It should have been. They should have partnered with them back in like 97. We're in this time period. Well, Jerry Jarrett always talked about helping out with Memphis and with WCW when Jeff Jarrett was there. But yeah, it was a little bit, it was. Too little, too late, and it wasn't going to happen. You know, and and yes, and I just, I just don't see in any world. I mean, that that this would work. Good try, Bruce. I mean, but here's the thing too: how is we're talking 1997 WCW? How is Bruce not getting a contract? <laughs> they're just they're giving him to everybody. Like he would have been on Worldwide and Pro a bunch. Like, Lenny Poffo had a deal. Like every everyone that was related to everyone that came in. Every million dollars. He could have been one of the guys Goldberg defeated. We took up all the random guys that, like, you got Mike Winner and and, and Len Denton. And then, like, like Bruce, he, yeah, like uh, Bruce Hart coming out on uh, Lorenzo. <laughs> Bruce Hart on Worldwide or Pro coming out with his leather jacket and sunglasses and jobbing to Goldberg in ninety seconds. It should have happened. Why did that not happen? I don't know. Oh, he would have been on the WCW Deep Cuts Twitter. <laughs> Oh, but uh, maybe maybe Bruce wanted to go over on Goldberg and refused <laughs> refused a job. That wouldn't be the first I've ever heard somebody say that. 
Um, but anyways, as I digress. So, someday we'll talk about legend shows in, in Western New York wrestling. Yes. <laughs> we will. As, as I digress. Uh, um, so in, in late 97, he wants to restart it as developmental. Obviously, that doesn't happen. I, like I said, I can't see Bischoff even entertaining that. He's probably like, why, why is Bruce calling me? <laughs> but, uh, Who gave him my number? On April 20th, 1998, a group called the Can-Am Wrestling Federation. They are now running every Tuesday in Calgary in the Backstreet Bar, I'm sorry, Backstreet Bar, and biweekly in Edmonton with former Stampede wrestlers Cuban Assassin, Beef Wellington, and Ken Johnson as headliners. They also have a Hart family representative, Teddy Hart, a real name Ted Annis, but his mother is Georgia Hart, who's one of the kids who trained with Davy Boy Smith's son, Harry. Um, by the way, too, obviously this is very heavy Teddy Hart. We don't condone any of the <laughs> actions that Teddy Hart has done as far as his criminal past and really present. But, <laughs> but, but, um, but it, it show, this shows that there were always something going on in the indie scene in Alberta during this time. Like nothing really steady, but just feds here and there popping up, just trying to capitalize on the former the, the the former reputation of stampede and you know it's 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 crazy because like you know beef Wellington's one of those guys that like he almost gets lost in the shuffle maybe because he stayed up in in, in calgary and didn't really like try to tr- travel or branch out and all that but cuban assassin's another one where like i it i didn't know he was in calgary that long because i think he's another he's one of those guys that starts popping up on worldwide and stuff, I believe, um, uh, in this time period. But uh, on August 17, 1998, it appears after rumors of it happening for nearly a decade that Stampede Wrestling will restart woohoo, in September under Bruce Hart and produce weekly television with good time slots in both Calgary and Edmonton. Longtime announcer and producer Ed Whalen won't be involved, which means Hart will... Which means Hart will be allowed to do angles. This isn't the reason Stampede closed down in '89, but Whalen, an arch conservative who was well, who was a well-known TV and radio personality, had his own feelings about pro wrestling, and if he didn't like an angle, he would frequently edit it from the show. In hindsight, it's hilarious, though it was pretty mind-boggling for that time. For example, when they did the big split of Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith, Whalen loved the two as a tag team and hated the angle, so the angle never aired. And since the grudge matches were generally pretty wild, he generally didn't allow them to air either. Another time, Bruce brought in a heel manager as a member, a heel member of the Hart family, a supposed first cousin, so he did the Lance Von Erich thing, of the son of Stu Hart's brother, Lou Hart, and Waylon. Stu and Lou. <laughs> Stu and Lou. And Waylon, the first week in commentary, killed the angle, saying that Stu doesn't have a brother named Lou. Or there was a story in the early 70s when Waylon marked out when Abdul the Butcher was destroying someone and clocked Butcher uh, in a shoot six times in the head with a hammer. Boy, did that kill Butcher's gimmick, and he and he, he left the territory immediately. I'm assuming her will build the company around local wrestlers he and his brothers have trained over the past few years. There's so many Ed, there's so many Ed Wallen stories out there that like he's such a polarizing figure in the old days where... Stu loved him, even though from all everything I've seen, like everyone else in the family have told Stu, like you gotta, you you gotta get rid of this guy. But Ed Whalen had so much power because he was a local icon on TV. He was like an Irv Weinstein, pretty much, like for their area yep. on local TV. 
uh, well, like a Lance Russell, but Stu, I guess, defended Ed all the time and said he he's the best ring announcer or he's the best commentator in wrestling and refused to cut him even though all this stuff has happened and all the stuff has come out. Like he's he's kicked Stampede off the air several times throughout the decades because of stuff he didn't like. So it's amazing, and I'm kind of glad reading this that they that Bruce is just like, yeah, we're gonna go with someone else. I, I, I mean, and then also too, you got to think it's a different world. You're, you're about to enter 1999. I'm sure, like the the nostalgia for Ed Whalen is is not really there. Um, oh, he would he would have not been putting over anyone doing flips. No, not at all. Oh, uh, this kid. I uh, mean, his replacement was just good or better. I think guaranteed better. I'd say, and and that's tomorrow's so much better. So we'll we'll talk about it right now. That's a beautiful thing about this show. We're telling a history of guys. I mean, you know, yes, there's the Bruce Hart stories, and they're going to be entertaining and they're going to be wacky. But this is Davy Boy Smith's Natalia, T.J. Wilson. I mean, Teddy Hart, like, and Apoc, which we'll talk about Victor from the Ascension. This is like their time. This is their platform to actually get recognized on top of Moro Ranello. Moro Ranello comes out of this, which is a big thing and a great thing for wrestling. He, he was, I think, 19 years old. Yeah. he. This, Moro Ranello becomes a commentator by because of Bruce Hart. So say what you want about Bruce Hart, but, I mean, <laughs> he had launched a lot of careers. Um, so in uh, August – I'm sorry, in uh, March – 1999 Dave Melter reports Stampede Wrestling is scheduled to do a television taping on April 2nd at the Pavilion in Calgary the site of weekly live shows for generations as well as an April 3rd date in Edmonton at the Agricom with Davey Boy Smith, Jim Neidhart Big Titan and Tatanka as the biggest names announced Bruce Hart will be the on TV commissioner and let's kind of talk about uh, that first card so April 2nd 1999 this is a very interesting card. So you have uh, Johnny Devine, the Black Ninja, uh, and the Cuban Assassin versus Irish Red Orion, Keith Hart, and Todd Douglas. You had Tiger Khan versus Mike Dulu. You had Akeem Albrecht, which those of you will know as Brackus. So Brackus popping back up in 99 <laughs> versus Bill Rogers. And then this is where the names start to happen. Dick Buckus Jr. <laughs> with H.I.V. Thompson versus Eddie Mustang. Red Thunder versus Principal Richard Pound. Also known as Dick Pound. Dick Pound. H.I. Uh, Thompson versus Dick, or with Dick Buckus Jr. versus Marvin Pope. Dick Reigns, there's too many dicks in this promotion, versus, versus <laughs> yeah. Greg Bollock. Ken Johnson versus Blackheart with special referee Anthony McClanahan. And then for the Stampede North American title, Tatanka versus Jason Neidhart with Jim Neidhart. Um, I think people forget about, like, so it was he wasn't a shoot Neidhart, was he? No, because this is Jason Anderson that worked earlier. That yeah, he, was, he yeah he worked as Jajit Singh. He was Jason the Rebel, fake like, Nightheart, just yeah. like the 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 fake the fake hearts, the fake Lou hearts, Lou, Lou hearts. 
I, I want someone in somebody in Ontario should do that. Like, hey, Lou Hart. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, and 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 we'll talk in the next night. We'll we'll talk about that show the next night too. Uh, because they actually they run like the three shows in Alberta, so which we'll cover them all. And they they do yeah they do almost two thousand people for that show. Um, and they're very. I mean, it's pretty much the same lineup: uh, Black Ninja, Johnny Vinetard, Converse, Bill Rogers, Alice Red, uh, Todd Douglas, uh, Principal Richard Powers, Mike Delue, Dick Buckus Jr. versus Eddie Mustang, Cuban Assassin versus Red Thunder, Ken Johnson versus Rick Blackheart, Dick Rains versus Greg Pollock, and Tatanka versus Jason Neidhart. And then the next night, the same night there, um, you have uh, Black Ninja, Johnny Vinetard, Converse, Bill Rogers, Irish Red, and Todd Douglas. Richard Proverbs, Mike Delu, Dick Buckus for Eddie Mustang, Cuban Assassin versus Red Thunder, Ken Johnson and Blackheart, Dick Reigns and Pollock, and Tataka versus Jason Neidhart. So pretty much the same card. And, uh, and just three, because. Three nights in a row in Calgary, Hodima, and Red Deer. And just because I like like this, looking up this uh, this information, Calgary to Red Deer. Uh, actually, no, Calgary to the first town, Homita, was two hours away. And then from there to Red Deer is an hour away. So it's not like they're running the same, like within the same general area and you had fans going all three. Like they were trying to spread out and actually run a traditional loop here. So remember when like Bruce Hart like announced that he was like bringing this back in, you know, August of 1998, right? And, you know, we didn't run shows until April. So there's a lot of time to get your affairs in order, right? Remember what Meltzer reported that there was going to be a show in Edmonton on the second nights? Well, no, there wasn't. And here's why. I, um, this comes from the uh, Observer on April 5th, 1999. Stampy Wrestling is now running weekend shows in Alberta and smaller cities, drawing between 100 and 250 fans. The first TV taping is April 2nd in Calgary. Uh, they weren't able to get a wrestling license in Edmonton, so they are running in... Hobeman, an Indian reservation about 20 miles outside of Edmonton on April 3rd. <laughs> Why do you not have a wrestling license for Edmonton? You, your mission statement is Calgary and Edmonton. You're going to, you got, TV. it's all in Alberta too. You <laughs> have TV in Edmonton. How you, you announced you were coming back in August. It is now April. Where is this license? <laughs> I mean, not for nothing. Like going back a little bit in during the original era of of Stampede when uh, Stu got Stu uh, did a very violent angle and got kicked out of Calgary, lost his Calgary wrestling license. He had to run on an Indian reservation outside of Calgary for a few years, or at least a few months, and that decimated the company at that point. So they. Definitely have a history of running, running on the reservations when they can't get things done. But still, I mean, reservation or not, like you have Edmonton Television. Why is that not like the second thing you do? You get okay, you get your license in Calgary, and then you get your license in Edmonton. Like, wh- what are you doing? Um, so uh, Dave's got a very nice write-up on uh, on this, and, and we'll talk about this here. Uh, so on April 12, 1999, Stampede Wrestling ran its first major show uh, at its old home at the Pavilion in Calgary on April 2nd before a sellout for more than 1,800 fans for a television taping for the A Channel in Alberta Station. So he originally reports 100. Now he's getting told it's 1,800 people. 
And that's what, like, Cage Match does to 1800, yeah. too. So, like, yeah. The new group, which has been running smaller shows for several weeks, is being run by Bruce and Ross Hart. Uh, there was a lot of local press for the first card. And the crowd enthusiasm and heat was said to be great. Most of the wrestlers weren't names. The only exceptions to be uh, vets like Keith Hart and heel Cuban Assassin, who got a huge babyface reaction. Uh, Akima Albrook, who wrestled as Bacchus for WF, Tatanka, and Curtis Thompson chipped the firebreaker from years back in WCW, who worked the dying days of the Stampede promotion and came uh, back under a hood as the Blackheart. And also, folks, just side note, too, Jim Crockett wanted him to be NWA heavyweight champion in 1994. <laughs> uh, you can look at it, listen to that in the archives at our first episode about the NWA title. Um, the wrestlers were mainly Hart Family uh, or Leo Burke, who runs the Hart Family Dojo trainees, and most were able to put together a solid one-and-a-half star level matches. A few were green. The best was said to be Greg Pollock, who was compared to be a young Chris Benoit or Dynamite Kid and had a three-and-a-half star match with a wrestler by the name of Dirty Dick Reigns. There was a famous 40s and 50s wrestler in Texas with that same name. Uh, he's a former national. Well, I'm, I'm sure his accolades will tag on to this uh, yeah. new version, too. Mm-hmm. Texas uh, champion. He was a former national amateur champion. Uh, the main event saw Tatanka beat Jason Neidhart, built as a cousin with Jim in his corner to set up Tatanka. Well, it has Jim to be a cousin because, because you can't say. He's uh, a brother. Ne- you couldn't say ne- nephew because that would make Jim Neidhart appeal too old. Oh. That's wrestling logic. Uh, Ed Whalen was there and for over more than anyone in the building except for Stu Hart, uh, who was so Ed Whalen's there. They're just not letting him commentate, who was moving around very slowly. Whalen, one of the most uh, fa- worst wrestling announcers ever, but a total cult favorite, kind of like wrestling fans reaction to Sid Vicious, since he's probably the most famous mainstream announcer in Alberta is wrapping up his announcing career after 51 years this year, told uh, told the stories like the time he killed all Abdul the Butcher's Heat 30 years ago when Ed marked about as the butcher was out of control and took the hammer, to, uh, they ring the bell with and hit butcher over the head with it several times and knocked him silly. And butcher's gimmick was destroyed. Therefore being Cato by a TV announcer, they had to leave the territory for a long time. Wow. Bru- D- Dave loves telling the story. Huh? <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, that is kind of ridiculous. You don't hit the guy, but anyways, uh, tour commander was- thought it was real. Tour commander was brought in a surprise to Waylon and came out, uh, with Waylon to do a reprise of their famous shtick uh, circa early 70s. Three Stampede, three Calgary Stampede players, Marvin, uh, Calgary Stampeder football players, sorry. Marvin Pope, a former CFL star, Jason Clement, and Anthony McClanahan wrestled, did a run-in and managed on the show, respectively. They set up a football players versus muscle heads against Albrecht and Blackheart and a local wrestler named Gothic Knight, real name Chris King. They announced names to the members of the Stampede Wrestling Hall of Fame. Stomper, who worked there some 32 years ago, got a huge pop. And Stampede wrestlers who had passed away. Apparently, it shocked many attendants that Larry Cameron, who was a top heel in the area for a year in the late 80s, had died. And in Bruce Hart, in the Bruce Hart Creative Names Department, they listed a heel under the name of Graham James. That is the name of a famous coach in Canada who was heavily publicized last year for allegedly sexually molesting teenagers he coached. <laughs> Nobody from that name appeared, and in the place was built, in his place was built. It was a wrestler, is Dick Buckus Jr., the son of a football legend, and with them goading the crowd to chant "Little Dick" at him. So, the- so my my <laughs> thought process there was he initially was going to call him Graham James to build off the name of the famous hockey coach, but then 
like Bruce probably didn't realize he was out of the loop, and someone probably told him like, "Hey, that guy is that guy got in trouble. We can't go with that name." So Dick Buckus Jr. is probably his last minute replacement name. I guess uh, the other interesting was H. Ivy Thompson. Stu got the biggest pop, uh, a, f- a four minute standing ovation. Uh, the program noted that Stampede Wrestling was responsible for starting such wrestling stars as Dynamite Kid, Dave Boy Smith, Owen Hart, Pillman, Benoit, Jake Roberts, Junker Dog, Rick Martel, Jacques Rougeau, not to mention the likes of uh, Hashimoto, Sasaki, Liger, Neidhart, Hase, Hart, Billy Graham, uh, Bret Hart, Billy Graham, and others who weren't even listed. Along with the old timers like Gene Kanitsky, uh, Archie Golding, Abdullah, the Scott Brothers, Bill Miller, Fritz von Eric, Wilbur Snyder, Joe Blanchard, Stan Sazak, Larry Hanning, and Nick Bockwinkle. It appears that there will be a promotional war in that area with a group called Can-Am Championship Wrestling headed by Steve Galepsi and Steve Wild. So, um... A lot to unpack there. Lots of, a lot to unpack. Uh, I actually find it funny that Dave didn't report on Richard Pound. Because, <laughs> he probably didn't get the joke. Yeah. yeah. Um... H.I.V. Thompson, I'm missing that. I know, what is the joke behind that? H.I.V. <laughs> oh, wrestling, folks. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I was like, I'm missing it. What am I missing? Oh, we're not even going to cut this out. I, the, the real emotion of me really realizing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's Stampede Wrestling for you. Are you sure somebody tipped him on the Graham James thing or there? <laughs> there, or he, or he was gonna do Graham James because of what happened? And somebody's probably like, Bruce, come on, we'll let you have the the, the other stuff, but come on, Ross had to say something or somebody. Like the fact that he went from from Graham James to Dick Buckus Jr. Like, so. We we have an idea to have a gimmick named after a child molester. Thank God that got scrapped. We have a gimmick named after HIV. <laughs> that unfortunately continued. We have a gimmick named after Dick Buckus Jr., who has no connection, as far as I know, to the Calgary <laughs> at all. But Dick Buckus, no connection. So now we're going to call him Dick Buckus Jr. just so people call him Little Dick in the crowd. And folks, that's just the start. Actually, oh. no. Dick Buck is the senior has never worked in the CFL. And yeah, no, he's never no connection at yeah, all. No. Oh, he was actually on. Um, Say by the bell, <laughs> Dick Buckus. Oh, I just wow. I just just. Just wow. Here's the thing, man. Like, <laughs> Bruce Hart, like, he's a wacky dude. <laughs> like, I hate to, like, these names. Like, was he just trying to pop the boys with these names? I, I, or did he? Like, I don't. I think he thought these were good ideas. I guess any attention is good attention. Like, if he's getting attention from it. But the fact that he wanted people to believe that Graham James, that he could have possibly been booking a former hockey coach to try to grab that attention. Like that's kind of shocking. Um, on April 26, uh, 
Meltzer reports that Can-Am Wrestling is shooting a TV taping on April 14th at Red Deer, Alberta, and with uh, Beef Wallington, Rick Titan, and uh, Steve Wilden, Steve Galopsi, Bruce Hart of Stampede Wrestling and WCR, both applying for licenses to run for shows in Edmonton. So now he's, it's good to know he's finally applying for it. It <laughs> appears that Stampede Wrestling will start on the A channel in Alberta in July. And as we see going through the notes, Can-Am, Can-Am Wrestling does uh, give Stampede a good, healthy dose of competition here with some of the names and some of the, and people working for, some people working for both some people exclusive. And think about it. If you're, if you're Can-Am wrestling, like you're, you're automatically getting coverage from people like Belter and Keller because the hearts are running again. So it's like, yeah. it, it's great for you. Cause it, you know what I mean? And, but then people also, they see that what some of the stuff's being put out here and, well, still, even even during this time, like Bruce is not full time. Like he's primarily only running Calgary and Edmonton. So, Can Am. When I brought up Can Am, like they're running Saskatchewan a lot. They're doing a few some stuff in Edmonton, but still a lot of it's Regina, uh, Red Deer. So they're they're doing a little bit. They're doing Manitoba. So like they're they're more stretching out. They're more getting other areas. Maybe even up into uh, Tomco, El Tomco's old area. So yeah. they're more they're more regional based. When yeah, because Tomco made so much money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know what you're saying. Um, I mean that that's everyone during the nineties. <laughs> during every show, we look at everyone thinks like like Dal Gagner. Like I'm I'm gonna make I'm gonna make millions running the old the AWA. NWA. <laughs> Uh, is our show based on people just trying to recreate 80s stuff in the 90s and early 2000s? Well, yes. Yeah, that's pretty much the basis of our show. Um, uh, and, 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 uh, May 10, 1999, Stampede Wrestling is running May 20th in Edmonton. Yeah, they got it, the license. And uh, May 21st in uh, Calgary with Tatanka versus Jim Neidhart is the main event. Is Neidhart... Actually, no, they didn't. Oh, no, actually, yes, they, they did. did Never, get mind. Never mind. Is Neidhart... He's... Not with WCW at this point. He's gone, right? No, he was gone so in early '99. Right? Yeah. It it comes up more later in the notes that uh, I guess like I'll explain it. The notes really just gloss over it, but during the late nine, the late late 1999, he actually gets a job with WWE as their uh, as a talent scout. So, so just go basically work these shows and you're a scout. Yeah. And he would go around and write up reports and send it to WWE and just say, like, this guy, this guy's potential, this guy's potential. They gave and then something they... to Paul Bear too, like that, too. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's that's the official story. The story I've always heard is that uh, Neidhart had this job. Neidhart got the job shortly after Owen Owen's tragedy yeah, because uh, – the rumor was they wanted more. Vince wanted hearts, as many hearts on his side as he could. Yeah. But he also heard, and also heard stories of because boy pops back up too. And I, yeah. And... Well, from actually reading the notes, I've realized like Davies, Davies' return was actually talked about and actually finalized before Owen's death, and it was supposed to be there was talk of Owen and Davy tagging back up. Oh, okay. But the Nightheart thing, the story I've always heard. Was he had this job and he was let go because he would be falsifying reports and saying he went to this indie show and that indie show and like yeah these guys are really good when he never went to those shows, 
but that's a side story and we'll go on from here obviously he's probably living in calgary at this time so it would make sense for him to be at these shows and helping out uh on uh june 7th 1999 uh melter reported some of the results from may here uh so we'll kind of do this now we'll kind of just follow with with the observer um you know where i was kind of like trying to kind of uh cryological do it with the uh the cage match but i will just kind of go with the what the observer reported i'm a little tongue-tied today all right so on april 20th in edmonton alberta they drew about 800 people uh and it was keith hart and eric bauer versus cuban assassin and carl kreschmeyer Johnny Devine beating Red Thunder. Uh, Johnny Devine results in 1999. Um, I didn't know he was he dates that far early. Uh, yeah, it, he's rather young at this time, yeah. but like, yeah, he was getting out there. And as Johnny Devine of TNA wrestling fame, uh, Eddie Mustang versus Dick or beat Dick Buck, Dick Buckus Jr. <laughs> it's How, not easy to say. No, not at all. Todd Douglas beat the principal Richard Powell by disqualification. <laughs> Uh, Jason Neidhart beat Badlands Bill. Tiger Alley Khan uh, beat Red Orion. Tatanka beat Jason uh, Jim Neidhart. See, there's just so many going on <laughs> in this promotion. I'm so tongue-tied today with this. Tataka, too, too many fake relatives. Tatanka beat Jim Neidhart by DQ. Greg Pollock beat Dick Reigns. And the Blackheart Curtis Thompson beat Marvin Pope. So you have you're ran by one of the most extensive wrestling families. You have... A dozen members plus all of the uh, brother-in-laws, and you're creating fake people. And well, because here's the thing on this: what do you not see on 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 this here? I don't see Teddy. Teddy's working for the competition. Yeah, <laughs> like that's... you have you have Keith Hard, who's 48 years old at this point, so like he's still going, still going strong, but he's doing tag and six-man matches. And yeah, if you look at that time. At the time frame, uh, in for Can Am Wrestling, it looks like Teddy is on the next night, and so is TJ. But yeah, still, like, why would you not have them in the beginning? Oh, I, I they're do, eighteen years old. Like, so uh, I doing that was uh, May twentieth. I just looked up a Can Am Wrestling card from May fifth in Red Deer. So Teddy Hart is on the show. Gama Singh's on the show. Uh, Biff Rollington, Rick Titan. And uh, Keith Hart against Massive Damage. So Keith Hart is working the competition. Which, I mean, Ross and Bruce are running Stampede, so Keith's probably like, I'll do what I want. I'm like, Yeah, and you're not gonna, he's not going to tell his brother no. Well, in... Uh, and, 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 oh, I'm sorry. The next, uh, the next night you had Keith Hart and Teddy Hart against Steve Gillespie and Steve Wilde. So the promoters against the Hearts. So, but obviously, it it shows here that even though their competition to Stampede, they're still booking members of the Hart family to draw in Alberta. So obviously, that was still a mindset of you have if you're running Alberta, you have to have a Hart on you the show. You have to have a Hart on the show, yeah. Um, on uh, so on May 21st, so we had Keith Hart and Eric Bauer uh, beating Ted Anderson, a, Q- a Cuban and. A Cuban, I'm sorry, Eric Bauer and Ted. Wait, what? These results are. It's Keith, a six man. Keith, okay, Keith Hart, Eric Bauer, and Ted Annis beating Cuban Assassin, TJ Wilson, and an unknown competitor. Uh, Dick Buckus Jr. and Badlands Bill. Uh, Dick Reigns beat Red Orion, Eddie Mustang. Wait, what? These results are weird. Uh, okay, Dick Reigns beat Red Orion. All right, there we go. I have it. Dick, all right. And then uh, Eddie Mustang beat Carl Kreschmeyer. The principal 
Uh, Richard Powell. <laughs> I noticed Meltzer will not put in his full name. <laughs> it, Moses, Moses was probably sent in like te- through email yeah. through shorthand from Ross Howard anyway. So beat Ken Johnson, Jason Neidhart beat Todd Douglas, Tiger Ellie Khan beat Red Thunder, Tataka beat Jim Neidhart, and Greg Pollock beat Johnny Devine in the Black Heart with a double disqualification with the Marvin Pope. Uh, they had a little bit tongue tied. Everyone's again. I apologize, folks, for the tongue tied for myself. Ash is on his game today, not me. Apparently, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of tongue tied names here. That's, yeah. Thank God, Cody Jennings is out commentating the yes. show. Um, so now uh, we'll move a little forward into August second, nineteen ninety nine. In Canada, Stampede Wrestling is continuing to run shows in Alberta. Their television is expected to be up and running in the fall. Tony Condello of Winnipeg is running shows from Saskatchewan into Ontario and Quebec, including many in, in reservation shows finishing up in manitoba it's funny we talked earlier where it was like i survived calgary well for the modern wrestlers it's i survived the candelo tour if you worked for Candelo, they're still going yeah like uh, i have some friends have done those tours they are not i actually had an opportunity to possibly do one and i just couldn't make it work with like trying to financially still be stable here in the states or whatever kind of glad but i'm kind of not glad like it would have been stories but it also the canadian wrestlers can just take off two weeks of work just to (laughs) go on a tour i also had an opportunity to do that once which would have been 15 years ago at this point but like we would drive all the way up to hamilton or not uh meet everyone in hamilton drive all the way to north of winnipeg for the first show and i drive all the way to the maritimes for shows every night and then back and it's some of those roads where like there's no gas stations at all for 12 hours. So you have to like conserve, you have to be smart about getting gas and, and where you're staying. Uh, let's see here. The, uh, Emile Dupree, uh, father Renee Dupree opened up the maritime provinces in early June and will run through early August using the beast, Yvonne Cormier, Leo Burke, uh, Cuban assassin and Calgary version, Angel Osavo and Bobby Bass is the top names. Said the first run of houses did well, but dwindled as there's no local te- television and they run cities weekly. But he picked up when Burke, who was considered the biggest wrestling star in the history uh, part of the country, returned. So everyone's trying to kind of go back on that glory. I mean, Leo Burke's work in 1999 here. Like, everybody's trying to, like, kind of recapture because people it's, don't realize how great Canada was in the 80s and 70s. Well, wrestling also, like, as we know, like the wrestling recession in the early to mid-90s. Now wrestling is hot. It's the Attitude Era that, yeah, you have Calgary starting up. You have Candelo now running the middle of the country. And then, yeah, now we're having stuff starting up in Quebec and the Maritimes. And also, too, in this time period, too, this is like, I think, when Demore starts Border City. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like, around that time, yeah. Yeah, you have, like, Ontario. What we have it now, the wrestling boom of Ontario and the better wrestling in Canada, in better wrestling, like it's start. You see the the backbone here, like oh, more people want to run again and stuff like that. So, um, August twenty third, nineteen ninety nine, Stampede Wrestling is expected to start on weekly television in Alberta next month. The territory will be run similar to the old days, with a weekly Friday night show from the Pavilion in Calgary and being used as the television show. I think a lot of this is just uh, Bruce feeding Bruce and Ross yeah, feeding like, information TV, to Meltzer about we're on TV, yeah. That seems to be the ongoing theme for every episode here is the the promoter just uh, blowing smoke up everyone's ass saying, yeah, I got TV coming. TV's going to come next in three months. I'm going to run here, 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 here. So you, but you get the you get the overall picture of this of like the same things happening in every territory. 
Uh, on September 30th, 1999, Stampede Wrestling returned to television this week on a regular program for the first time since the promotion folded in 1989. The promotion run by Ross and Bruce Hart had its first television show airing a strong noon Saturday time slot, which was a tape of the card in April. Uh, they are now running television every Friday night at the Pavilion in Calgary, the site of Stampede Wrestling in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and will air next Friday afternoon. They are also running weekly shows this weekend every Saturday in Edmonton, same as the old era. The original television shows included both matches from April and in the early 80s match that included Davey Boy Smith, uh, Bretton Bruce Hart, Danny Davis, and a Dynamite Kid. So is he just airing stuff they don't own the rights to? Because well, during this time they would have owned oh, it. Oh, they would have still owned it, yeah. Yeah, like so, Vince yeah. never bought the TV deal, the okay. TV rights until much later. But this in is the, the 2000s. time period. Jim Ross always says that they start reaching out for time tape libraries. Early two thousands, yeah. yeah. But um, they didn't. Uh, I don't remember the exact date. Uh, I think it's somewhere in the actual notes. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, the, yeah, but the when he actually Ross Howard owned the footage and when he actually sold it, but he, like that. The side note of that that actually comes up, uh, it's still to this day of like when Ross Hart sold the footage, Bret Hart owns and to this day owns all of his matches. Like he, Bret made a separate deal with Stu years and years ago, probably even before this in the nineties, that Bret owns his own stuff. So there's that weird uh, situation there. So on October fourth, nineteen ninety nine, Stampede Wrestling reopened with the first week. Uh, planned weekly Friday shows in Calgary and Saturday night shows at Edmonton trying about 200 and 350 respectively, which is not a positive showing. In Calgary on September 24th, Carl LeDuc apparently broke his leg wrestling Dick Buckus Jr. Uh, Canadian Football League star Marvin Pope is the headline babyface. Among the names that have underneath are Mikey, Mike uh, Lewinsky and Ralph Silverstein, which I believe is Ruffy Silverstein. Yeah, the name yeah. of the legendary amateur later named Ruffy Silverstein. The small Edmonton crowd was said to have been very responsive. On September 25th, Johnny, here's the result. So Johnny Devine defeat Mike Lewinsky. Dick Pound beat Ralph Silverstein. Uh, Todd Douglas beat Chris Anthony. Chris Lzansky. Uh, are you guys ready for this? Craig Pollock and Red Orion beat so damn insane. And Dick Reigns. <laughs> Eddie Mustang beat William Butler Yates and Dick Buckus Jr. beat Red Thunder and Marvin Pope beat Jason Neidhart. So um, it looks like he's lost to Taka and Jim Neidhart and now it's all locals. And also I go back to where's Teddy? Where's TJ? I mean, Harry's young, but where's Harry? Yeah. And I believe I want to say I've seen this episode somewhere. I don't think it's on the network, but I've seen uh, this era. And uh, in late 99 and Marvin Pope did, I, if I remember right, he did come out wearing like the football type gear, like sort of like a Steve McMichael type or like Kevin Green, like what they would wear and like, and look the part, but like he definitely had potential. I'm not saying like he would have made a WWE, WWE was looking at him, but he was definitely, uh, it was definitely a good idea to push him in that era. Compared to what else they had. Well, and, and also, too, like, he was an actual, like, CFL star. Like He had the name value. Yeah. yeah it, it would be like <clears throat> if, like, you know, somebody on this Buffalo Bills team this year, like, started working wrestling locally. It would be a big deal. Um, 
and actually kind of look in here. Yeah, he only works the the couple years in Stampede too. Unfortunately, he doesn't really uh, go any further than that. Um, he probably just if he didn't get picked up in the early two thousands, he probably just yeah, just yeah. If no if no Fed was gonna pick him up, and we talk about Teddy, maybe Teddy was hurt because after the after that May twenty first show in Stampede, he didn't work again until August. Then he did. One August show, one September show. I mean, maybe he was going to college. Maybe. It's, he would have been 19 at that time. But he, like, yeah, he didn't do much in that era in 99, even 2000. Like, he only had three matches in 2000, so it seemed like he was taking a break. One match in 2001. This is also the era, too, where he's being looked at by WWE, too, I think. Like, yeah. the first time. Um on October 18, 1999, the revival of Stampede Wrestling is already going through tough, rough times. On October 2nd, like number 10, they only drew 150 fans for a Dick Buckus Jr. vs. Marvin Pope main event. And October 9th, it was down to 120 fans, and 90 paid for the rematch. And there were no favors done since Pope, a former Canadian Football League star, was being pushed as a top babyface, didn't show up. Calgary's weekly shows, uh, which are television tapings for uh, two weeks every other Friday, and are also not drawing well. The TV airs on the A Channel in Alberta, and Manitoba will start airing in Regina. Uh, Saskatchewan on October 28th with touring beginning in November. More Ronello, who does the TV play-by-play, is said to have a lot of potential at it. So, like I said, that's when Ronello starts uh, uh, becoming somebody. But, um, yeah, already we're like five months in this thing, and it's it, it's falling off the rails already. Um, on uh, November 22nd, 1999, British Bulldog. Did run in on the uh, November 12th Stampede Wrestling card after a match between his son, Harry, who must have been about 14 or 15, <laughs> and a heel named Principal Richard Pound. I like how he, Dave tried to change it. I think Dave did not want to sell Richard Pound. Yeah. Uh, and Similar his, to how the PWI never listed Balls Mahoney. It was just yeah, Mahoney. Yeah. yeah. And, and is apparently scheduled to wrestle for Stampede on their November 19th show. Well, on November 29th, we get a report from that. Davey Boy Smith worked for Stampede Wrestling November 19th against Principal Richard Pound. They did some sort of angle to set up a return date in a cage. In addition, Smith argued with old rival Bad News Allen, who was doing color commentary. So I'd, I'd like to hear that. Mora Ronello and Bad News Brown doing commentary in 1999. That could be interesting. Um, December 20th, 1999. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> oh, man. Stampede Wrestling has pulled out of running Edmonton largely because they couldn't afford paying a doctor $250 a show as mandated by the commission and another $100 per show license fee plus 3% of the gate going to the commission when the shows weren't doing well. Try running in New York State. Um, <laughs> Ross and Bruce Hart, who are running the company, were told in May when uh, they were planning on opening up that they would have to pay for the doctor as long as the wrestlers, or they wouldn't have to pay for a doctor, as long as the wrestlers got their own physicals from a family doctor and that the uh, commission's doctor would just show up, take the boy's blood pressure, and go home. That's kind of what it's morphed into now. Um, the local media has been very pro hearts on the issue because of the claim of that in May commission secretary, Ron Hader had told Bruce Hart, Bruce Hart that the doctor's fees could be waived. If the wrestlers got physicals from their own doctor stampede claimed it would return to Edmonton weekly. If the doctor's fees were dropped, 
It wouldn't be up for a vote for the city council to overturn the doctor's fees until May of 2000. It should be noted that during the history of Stampede Wrestling in the 70s and 80s, the promotion paid those same weekly fees. They've also moved the Calgary shows out of the traditional pavilion to a building with lower rent. Harry Smith, Davy Boy Smith's son, is still working the Calgary shows, and Hart sisters, L. Neidhart and Diana Smith, have done angles as well. Bruce Hart, who I believe to be around 47, wrestled in the Calgary main event on December 10th, beating William Yates. Stampede Wrestling has been in opposition to Canon Wrestling, which runs about 15 shows per month in Western Canada and drew 80 fans the last time they were in Edmonton. Uh, Luther uh, and Steve Rivers are also in a steal our regulars for the and they're bringing in Kurgan next month. So let's put this in context. You can't afford a doctor. You're struggling and then you're being outdrawn with the other promotion has Kurgan and Luther. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Kurgan was fresh off WWE yeah. fresh off the oddities. Like yeah. Um and Luther's an unknown in nineteen ninety nine. Like, Japan he's known but but like, I'm guessing Bruce went to his own talent and told them they need their own physical and they need to pay for it. Um, well, considering it's Canada, like I, I would guess that would be covered under health under their health care. That's a very that's that's a Tim, question we wouldn't be able to answer. So why would he have to pay for a doctor fee then? If I don't have to pay going to a doctor in the hospital, why would a promoter have to pay for a doctor to be there? Uh, I'm going to guess because it doesn't fall under like their universal health care. You don't cover. have to have a wrestling show. Like, yeah. That's a thing. You're paying a doctor extra to go there. Like you're not going to bill the federal, you're not going to bill the government to have a doctor come to a wrestling show. So it, I guess it's sort of like booking an ambulance like now for a wrestling event. So, like you can't claim that on, on your health insurance, but so things are, are he's moved out of the, the legendary venue in Calgary. He's not going to run Edmonton anymore because he can't afford the $250 doctor fee. He's being outdrawn by the company that's also in the area, other company in the area. Things aren't going well. By the way, the result from uh, December 9th, Tiger Khan beat Mike Lewinsky. Dick Buckus Jr. beat Saddam Hussein. Insane. Uh, William Yates beat Wavell Star. That's interesting. Wavell Star pop up there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gothic Knight with a, it looks like a double count out with Cyborg. Um, Dick Reigns in a no contest. Uh, we had Greg Pollock, Bruce Hart, and Pollock, uh, and Starr won a three-way over Yates and Ruffy Silverstein and Buckus Jr. And Dick Reigns and Con and Insane. So they did like a three-way six-man, or nine-man, really. That was Just a big cluster. Very interesting for that time period. Um, and December 27, 1999, Stampede Wrestling has been building up a British Bulldog versus Richard Pound cage match, baby! Stemming from an angle where Bulldog did a run-in a few weeks ago which will take place sometime in, in January in Calgary. Can I get a shirt? You know, the, like the tell the tape shirts, <laughs> yeah. British Bulldog versus principal Richard Powell. Where are they? They don't have a building in Calgary. <laughs> they can't afford it. Well, they're in a smaller building. They went for a low rent okay. one. They went for a low hopefully, rent. hopefully it doesn't have a low ceiling. They're going to do a cage match. So th- while this is going on, th- this just mess in, in Calgary. What does Bret Hart think about this? Well, we'll tell you. On January 17, 2000, Bruce Hart's column in the Calgary Sun. 
No sooner did I close the book than I turned on Stampede Wrestling. When I saw me embarrassed for my family name, I was disappointed to see my sisters, Diana and Ellie, would participate in such a farcical performance. When did they become wrestlers? To me, it was pathetic to see 14-year-old kids in the ring. When did they become wrestlers? For kids, they were great, but they were not seasoned professionals. Wrestling is an adult profession, often intended for the amusement of children. Here I've been saying for that wrestling is for kids any, isn't for kids anymore, that the things are adult things happening in the ring, and they aren't for kids to watch anymore. And meanwhile, my own family has kids in the ring mimicking the adults. I mean, when did Bret Hart have his first match? Like, how old is he? <laughs> like 15. Exactly. It's just a hard family tradition. Yeah. Now you're... Well, this is, this is more of, like, this is a few... This is six months after Owen died, and there's there's a division between the Hart family. So and that's I, where this this yeah. that's the actual reason for for Brett burying Bruce and Ross and the new Stampede Wrestling. It would he have said that if everything was the family was still all friendly with each other? And who knows? But it's there's definitely that division here. Um. Yeah, and the, the, it's. It's it's just one of those things. Like I, I mean, I get where he's coming from, from and all that. I guess the biggest thing is is watching it. It's probably embarrassing just seeing it. it's drawing like eighty people, and it's not. It just doesn't look like the presentation. When you yeah, when you're going from what it used to be with thousands yeah. of people, yeah. Uh, on uh, March thirteenth, two thousand twenty, at this point, Sabu is expected to work to March sixteenth Stampede Wrestling Show in Calgary. Uh, March 27th, it's reported now Sabu will be working uh, March 26th in Guelph, Ontario for the Hardcore Wrestling Federation on a show which also includes Chris Candino versus Rhino and what they're advertising a WCW versus ECW flag match. <laughs> Sabu apparently starts uh, March 31st with Stampede Wrestling. Kurgan had been working for Stampede but is leaving to work for Extreme Canadian Championship Wrestling in British Columbia. Stamp. Uh, Sabu doesn't come to bed until April twenty first. That was my own note on there. Yeah. Yes, because you, they just con- they're constantly saying like, Sabu's coming. Yeah, and this is that weird year that Sabu didn't have a TV contract. It, it, yeah, he wasn't working uh, ECW at that time. He was on the outs. Uh, on April, well, it, it's funny he was on the outs because he was going to sign with WCW, and then Vince Russo lost power, and then fame and fired. <laughs> yeah, so, that's a whole thing too. But on April 3rd, 2000, Sabu is now scheduled to debut with Stampede Wrestling on April 20th and April 21st with the latter date at the Calgary Pavilion. All the, so they are going back. Uh, going back. Sabu was scheduled to work there before, but it wound up being one of those runaround deals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder who's default on that. <laughs> on April 10th, 2000, at the uh, March 31st tapings in Stampede Wrestling, a uh, 14-year-old Terry Smith won over, uh, or Harry Smith uh, won over T.J. Wilson. The heels, the honor roll consisting of Principal Richard Pound, William Yates, and Wilson were beating on Smith and Ross Hart when Davy Boy made the save and said that he would form a tag team called the New British Bulldogs with his son and promoted an upcoming singles match uh, for himself versus, against Pound. There is no specific date set for the match, but we're told that Davy Boy came to the building to watch his son wrestle, and since he was there, Bruce asked him if he'd do a run-in. Also in, in the promotion uh, is former Japan star Big Titan wrestling as Rick Titan, uh, while a lot of interviews brought up Sabu coming in for April 21st Calgary show and Teddy Hart returns on the April 14th Calgary show. Um, hey, you, can you do a spot? Like, I so I mean, that still happens this day in wrestling. And someone shows does. up like, do you want to do a run-in? 
So it's kind of funny. It's one of those things like, so um, I did not, I started in comedy well before I started wrestling. Like I got my break in like, not a break, but I mean, I got broke into comedy in like 2008 and I got into wrestling in like 2011. But I always thought it was crazy that like, if you were doing like some just regular local show and someone showed up that was kind of like prevalent, you could say, Hey, do you want to do a spot? And a lot of times they would just do it for free. I'm like, wow, this is nuts. I don't see it as much in wrestling because usually it's like, uh, all right. But it's it's more county atmosphere happens. that someone's like, all right, you have to throw me money. And there's usually and yeah. a smart promoter will say like, all right, for like, I like this, like, all right, 50 bucks. Just still run in and do a promo or something like uh, a few years ago. Jerry Lawler did a did a promo at a uh, at a Comic-Con wrestling show in Rochester yep. just because uh, just because he was already in town and uh needed a ride from the hotel in Buffalo to Rochester and was, it was someone involved with the promotion that gave him the ride. And as, as he was doing, he wasn't booked for the wrestling show. He just was doing the comic con wrestling was there, but they said like, all right, uh, this individual that was involved in the wrestling promotion did it for free for Lawler as a favor and just say, Hey, do you mind just opening the show with a promo? And yeah, Lawler's just great guy and just did that. So that stuff still happens. Yeah, and it's cool. And and honestly, I didn't really know that like that he did this much with Harry. That's cool that Harry got to at least have that. They had they did have a few tag matches. Yeah, that's very cool that Harry got to have that before Bulldog passed here. All right, here. So now uh, April twenty fourth, two thousand, and yet another strange stories stemming from the split of the Hart family. Stampede Wrestling announced that a Stu Hart 85th birthday show in conjunction with the World Wrestling Federation for Calgary, and the next day Hart said he wouldn't be attending, leaving everyone politically jockeying for position. So, hey, it's good we're going to honor Stu Hart, but he's not going to be there. Yeah. Um, And this comes out more... uh, WWE is more gung-ho on doing this just because they're in the the midst of the uh, Owen Hart lawsuit. mm -hmm. So... I, there's definitely a wedge going on here, and WWE is trying to get as many hearts as they can on their side. So working with Bruce Hart kind of gets them in the pro WWF camp. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, it, it, there's a lot of notes on just this whole thing in general, but I'll kind of like give the highlights of it. Uh, this story probably smart, started more than a month ago. Uh, Bruce Hart's running Stampede with Brother Ross uh, shows that Stu regularly attends when they run Calgary. Uh, was talking about doing some sort of memorial show in honor of Owen since it was coming up on the one-year anniversary of his, de- of his death. We're told in order to uh, make it politically uh, more palatable uh, due to the uh, lawsuit involving the death of Owen, which had divided the family. So let's see here. So he's trying to show, like, look, they're helping me honor Owen. And that's the fact that, like, Bruce is doing that, like, is kind of dirty. Like, you know, just to have... Just to try to get pop a, yeah. pop a house for Stampede because he's drawing he's drawing a hundred fans at, for Stampede in Calgary. So obviously it's like the arterial motive here is to try to try to uh, sell the place out and try to build a house. So um, what he was looking for here too, he's looking for Jericho, Benoit, Edge, Christian, Tess, Velvinus, all the Canadian talent, and Eddie Guerrero, Sander, Malenko. Uh, the belief is, is they were working the show for free and then they agreed to do benefit shows in the past, such as Pillman and the WF would pay for the trans. Uh, the show was publicly announced on April 15th on Stampede Wrestling's website with a Jericho versus Benoit main event and also listed Terry and Dory Funk 
uh, who wrestled in Stu's 80th birthday show as expected to attend. As we talked about earlier. Yep, And it started falling apart from there. Um, So skimming through... uh, well, let's go. Let's just go through this here. So, uh, Stu was saying he didn't take part of the event. Uh, they could do whatever they like, but I won't be involved. I'd like to support Ross and Bruce in this, but it would be in poor taste for me to be celebrating. It's also to be noted that Stu is involved in the lawsuit against the WWF. Whether Stu or even knew about this event before it was announced publicly had been questioned. Uh, there are those who claim Bruce Pritchard, who was the company point man for the event, spoke with Stu personally, and he claimed to be looking forward to the event. Others claim that Stu knew nothing about it, as it was already out publicly, and Bruce Hart brought it up with Helen Hart for approval, and she said no. On uh, April 15th, uh, both Bruce and Brett were at the house talking to Stu, who refused to be part of the show. Bruce had stayed out of the lawsuit, even though he actually spoke publicly strongly against the actions of the WWF after the death of Owen. From a business standpoint, Stampede Wrestling's best term for long-term survival would be as a training ground for WWF or WCW developmental talent, and politically, it would be easier to work with WWF. Let's see. And that's pretty much... And then just in the end here, it says, uh, you know, Stampede Wrestling has removed any mention of the show from his website, but the uh, show is not officially canceled as of press time, and that's uh, a- a- after April fifteenth. So, I, I, what I take here is Bruce doesn't even talk to Stu. Hey, we're gonna do this, and then oh yeah, Stu, look, we're doing this show for you. And then Stu finds out, and because it's during all this, but WWF talent, and yes, it's WWE is involved. It. Why didn't he try to get WCW involved? I mean, yes, it's I get it. WWF's the top tier at this point in WCW in Brett's April still was, with WCW at this I know. time. Brett's, Brett's still like with he's, the he's, WCW. He's like, hurt, but he's still under contract. And it's probably an easier for him to call Brett and, and go, hey, can we do this? And and, and that way you're not, you know, yeah. taking side like you're not making people mad because you're working with the company that that's being sued right now from the family. So He, he wasn't going to get Jericho or Benoit or any uh, majority of the guys he wanted, especially through WWE, like getting Edge, Christian, Test, Valvinus, like other Canadian-based wrestlers, but but he could have got like, Landstorm. Yeah, there were still yeah. some guys like he's if he wanted to run and not piss off the rest of the family and not create such a headache. Like, yeah, I th- I think it was more of Bruce probably as it said Bruce want Bruce thought working with WWF long term was a better option than working with WCW. So he was still looking at it from the political point of view. All right, here. Um, so then we have more notes on May 1st uh, to discuss this a little bit here. Uh, let's see here. There is still talk, still doing a Stu Hart birthday show in the fall. Feeling you'll get away from the month of May would eliminate some of the local media bad taste regarding the one-year anniversary on the death of Owen. It said that Stampede wanted the show on June 1st rather than May 31st just to get it out of the month of May. Uh, but because of the travel problems with the wrestlers from the WWF uh, who would be in Tacoma for SmackDown on Tuesday and Calgary isn't that bad of a flight from there rather than going home for a day and flying back or staying on a road on Wednesday rather than going home and basically destroying their time home with their families, it'd be much easier for the wrestlers to have the show on a Wednesday. I mean, let's get it out of May. So do it the day, like, just postpone it. Like, or don't it, run at all. Yeah, or, or, don't, or don't run it at all. It seemed like it was adding way too much fuel to the fire 
and dividing the family even more, especially during this time when you're only a year removed from Owen's death and you have a lawsuit coming up that's already dividing the family. So this was the proposed show lineup. It was supposed to be Benoit vs. Jericho, Triple H vs. Kane with Mick Foley as a ref, Eddie Guerrero uh, and Patter- Perry Sander and Dean Malenko vs. Scotty Tuhati and Edge and Christian, a three-way with Tachimiki no- Chuno Shofunaki, uh, the, the Headbangers and the Mean Street Posse, Ivory vs. Lita, Stevie Richards vs. Gangrel, Rikishi vs. Road Dog, and Bull Buchanan vs. Mark Henry. But, like I said, does not happen. That is a 100% WWE show. Yeah, that's, There's it's, no... a, it's a WWE house show. That's yeah. what that is. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce just wanted to run a WWE house show, and he wanted to book it, is all yep. he wanted. He didn't want to run Stampede with, like, two or three WWE guys on loan. So I think that could also be the issue there. Uh, so on April 20th, and so now these are results. On April 20th, the medicine had these results from Stampede. Abdullah uh, Shakat beat Red Orion. Uh, Harry Smith won a three-way over Dwight Davis and TJ Wilson. Dick Reigns beat Johnny Devine. By DQ, the Cuban assassin beat Ruffy Silverstein. Dick Pound and William Yates beat Red Thunder and Rob Wavell Star. Tugger Khan beat Greg Pollock. Eddie Mustang and Rick Titan uh, beat Vic Viper and Scott Demore. So you see a little Scott Demore stampede results there. On April twenty first, Dick Reigns uh, beat Roddy Rodcliffe. Abdul Shakat beat Red Thunder. Hercules Ayala uh, beat Gary Gallant. Uh, Vic Viper beat Scott Demore by DQ. Harry Smith and Teddy Hart beat T.J. Wilson and Dwight Davis. So you really see now the the, the future of the hearts there. Wavell Star beat uh, Red Thunder. Dick Pound and William Yates and Ruffy Silverstein beat Rick Titan and the Cuban Assassin and Black Ninja. And uh, Greg Pollock uh, had a double count out uh, with Tiger Khan. And then we had Sabu beating Johnny Devine. Um, and then from this note of the show, Sabu finally worked for Stampede Wrestling on April 21st show in Calgary. He missed the April 20th show in Medicine Hat because of a transportation problem. Both <laughs> Transportation problem meaning no one paid for a slight. Exactly. Uh, both shows drew roughly what the city's average, 140 in Medicine Hat and 220 in Calgary. So he didn't add any new spectators, although his name was pushed hard. They do little wasn't or, pushed hard. <laughs> they do little yeah. or no advertising. Or wasn't pushed hard, I'm sorry. Although his name wasn't pushed hard. They do little or no advertising. They have no TV in Medicine Hat, so it would be hard. Hard to mean anything, but people were aware, and there were some people who asked for refunds when it was made clear that those posters in front of the show and an announcement at the start of him not being there due to trans problems. In Calgary, where TV runs, his name wasn't pushed much on TV. He worked an 18-minute match with Johnny Devine, one of the better area workers, who was reported on being very sloppy with a lot of missed moves, but the crowd left happy because they saw him do his trademark spots and pop big for those. Yeah, Sabu match. That's a Sabu match. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, it, it's amazing. Like, that's how indie wrestling was during this era and sometimes still to this day where there's no TV and there's little to no advertising. And you just you have an indie fed just putting up a, one poster outside the venue and say wrestling here. And then they draw 30 people and it's all friends and family. I don't know if that's reassuring that it was still happening. I, at this point in time. Um, but uh, it appeared uh, that their building idea that Cebu was going for a Pacific title in a Japanese tournament, which would end up being a top singles title in the promotion that he would defend. Although flying him and paying him as much as a high cost on a promotion, that doesn't draw many fans. Tiger Khan, who was from New York, is said to be the best worker on the current crew, which includes former uh, uh, FMW, WF, and New Japan wrestler uh, Rick Titan. 
uh, Teddy Hart, Harry Smith, along with a bunch of wrestlers with given names like Dick Reigns, Ruffy Silverstein, and Abdul Shakat, named after one-time wrestling stars. Um, on May 29, 2020, uh, Stampede Wrestling drew only 75 fans. <laughs> On May 19th in Calgary, Stu Hart was at the backstage at the show. So if there are any problems with Bruce regarding the tribute show that never took place, they don't appear to be serious now. They announced at the show that Sabu is the new Pacific Heavyweight Champion, having won a tournament in Japan. They did their own Rio de Janeiro. It looks like they'll use him as their top champion coming in on rare occasions, but making it like a touring belt, like it's a big deal when he comes in the next time on June 2nd being against Tiger Khan. So, So... So that could have worked if he was actually out defending the title in other places. But you're just saying, like, oh, he was in Japan, he was in Europe, he was here. That, like, just coming up with excuses why he's only worked for you once every two months, it's kind of weak. And the internet's in his infancy, but the internet's a thing. Like, people have AOL. They could, Google, yeah. They, well, it wasn't Google then. They could ask Jeeves Sabu. <laughs> they can web crawler it. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Uh, what was the dog one, too? Bessie. Oh, that was the blocker. Yeah. That's what they had in the school, the Bessie. Like, oh, Bessie blocker. Oh, I I, I once got called to the principal's office because there's a way on Bessie to hit review this site. And I would review, I would hit review this site. And I guess it sent an email to our IT department. Oh. And, and they got kept getting swamped by emails. <laughs> I wanted to get to WWFshop.com. Yeah. Well, and, the, like, Banning you needed that Steve Austin middle finger t-shirt. It's, it's an e-commerce site. <laughs> Bruce Hart, who was behind the May 31st show, said the Stampede show was canceled uh, due to pressure from Martha and Stu's lawyer saying they raised a lot of hell and it said it was insensitive and pretty disappointing. Um, I, I don't know if if I 100% believe that just because it just seems like passing the buck and blaming other people. Yeah. On June 12, 2000, uh, Tiger Khan beat... Uh, Richard Pound on June 2nd in Calgary to win the Commonwealth Mid-Heavyweight title. The setup con who's said to be the best worker in the Stampede territory against Sabu when he comes in in six, uh, uh, or on June 8th in Settler, Alberta. June 9th for TV in Calgary. June 10th in Lloyd Messer, Alberta. Sabu faces Greg Pollock on that show. And June 11th in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. And June 12th in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. It's crazy, like... That Sabu is even doing this travel and going and doing this. I mean, I get it. He's looking for work. But, I mean, Bruce can't be paying him that much. I mean, he does come in. Like, yeah, he, is, he is listing the results. So. Yeah, no, he comes in. And he works this whole this whole run. Uh, Sabu, Considering they're drawing 100, 100, 150 a show. Like, yeah, that that's got to be cutting into the budget unless – Many of his locals weren't getting paid much. I'm guessing they're all Andrew Jackson guys or whatever, whatever the yeah. uh, Canadian equivalent of a twenty dollar bill is. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what, what that equivalent would be. A lot of loonies and toonies. The the, the 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 Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. And uh, June twenty six, two thousand twenty, uh, Meltzer reported Sebu worked the June nine TV tapings in Calgary for Stampede Wrestling, drawing hundred and thirty nine paid. For a match with Tiger Khan. They did an angle setting up what appears to be the final TV tapings until September as they are scaling down the operation for June 23rd in Calgary with Sabu Khan and Johnny Devine in a three-way, but Sabu won't be able to make the date. They're sending all out-of-towners back home and running a cutback schedule, although the crowd uh, 
was small after the Sabu Khan match, a post-match brawl including Sabu Khan, Divine and Greg Pollock wound up in the crowd chanting Stampede Wrestling after the show, which is the first time the crowd really got into the product to that degree. It took a, almost a year. <laughs> it took a year. and, then, and then, Oh, by the way, we're scaling down. Sabu is set uh, to return June 30th to July 2nd and again in late July. The TV will consist of repeats until the fall, most likely. Sabu versus Converse Pollock in a three-way on June 12th in Saskatoon. Drew one of the company's largest crowds with his latest revival with 600 fans. Phil LaFon was also on the uh, June 9th show working as a manager for Frank Enstein, who was Carl LeDuc doing a combination of a lunatic and gay gimmick. It's, there's got to be something behind Frank Enstein. I gotta look up this name now because you know how Bruce operates. Who was Frank Enstein here? Let's see here. Uh, Frank Enstein is Carol Duke doing a. Well, no, no, no. Oh, I get it. Frankenstein. <laughs> okay, I was thinking. I was. I was trying to make the connection with the Beatles manager. Ep- no, Epstein. No, like, yeah. Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Oh man, was he was he the was Bruce? I got Bruce Hart did work for WCW. He made the names on WCW. Aki man, <laughs> did he come up with Bill Ding? <laughs> Bill, yeah, Bill Ding was his idea. God darn it! Uh, oh man, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Anyways, Jim Nyhart was sent back to Calgary for Memphis as he wasn't working out in his role as a trainer and coach. Officially, they're keeping Nyhart on payroll, and one of them suspects that he'll that means they'll testify if need be in a trial with his new job to scout Stampede Wrestling and the local indies for any talent that shows promise. How, how many notes did he send back to the office saying we need to hire this Dick Pound guy? Yeah, Richard Powell, man, he's uh, he's quite the talent. Let, let, let me tell you about HIV Thompson. <laughs> um, on June 9th, uh, Rob Roy, this 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 drew 139. Uh, this is 139 people I talked about. Rob Roy Scott beat Brett Hansen. Harry Smith beat TJ Wilson. Eddie Mustang beat Wavell Star. Mr. Destiny uh, beat Red Orion. Vic Viper beat Rick Titan. Richard Powell won a three-way over William Yates and Ruffy Silverstein. Oh, no, that stable's breaking up. Uh, Dick Reigns and Frank Enstein. Uh, be Craig Pollock and Johnny Devine to win the international tag titles. And then Sabu was in a no contest with Tiger Khan. Uh, we then on July 3rd, uh, Sabu no showed the June 23rd Stampede Wrestling TV, TV champions in Calgary. So the main event was Tiger Khan versus Johnny Devine versus Greg Pollock in a three way, which ended with the no contest. Both Harry Smith and Ted, Teddy Hart did run ins to set up the first time in their main event mix on July 21st in Calgary, teaming with Pollock against Khan Devine and Chris Cruel. Apparently, Sabu's no-show in Medicine Hat killed the city because the next show back was scheduled for June 22nd, and they had to cancel it when the advance was only 19 tickets sold. So did Sabu keep the belt, and does he still have it? And was it a new belt, or was it just a random old stampede belt that was sitting in the Hart Mansion for decades? I'd imagine, oh yeah, let's make this the Pacific title. I assume it was just an old title that Bruce had laying around. Um, so on July 10th, 2020, Sabu versus Terry Funk headlines the XPW show, by the way, a future episode. <laughs> on July 22nd at the Los Angeles Sports Arena, uh, Sabu worked uh, over the weekend for Stampede Wrestling and came not only with Pee Wee Moore, 
but uh, which I just learned recently that Pee Wee Moore was like his handler. I had no idea yeah. about this. Uh, but also with Josh Lazy of XPW, Sabu was looking to bring some Stampede guys to XPW uh, on July second. I'm I'm sure Bruce Hart was trying to get in on that deal. And we're going to talk about it in two seconds. <laughs> Just a July 2nd, Stampede Wrestling drew 160 with Robert Scott beating Ruffy Silverstein. Uh, Scott beating Wavell Star. Eddie Mustang beat Brett Hansen. Tiger Con beat William Yates. Dick Conn and Frankenstein beat Sabu and Greg Pollock. If there ever was a promotion to work with Stampede Wrestling in, 19, <laughs> or in 2000, it's XPW. Because I think where they have the... The whole, the clown, I'm not going to say it, but the, the clown gimmick and the homeless gimmick. And, oh, let's let's get the Principal Richard Pound up in there. Oh. And Frankenstein, like, oh, th- th- this never happened. Oh, we we didn't get to see Messiah versus, versus Wavell Star. <laughs> All these dream matches. Oh man! Just see, just seeing Bruce Hart come out in the L.A. Coliseum, the, the, and just leading an invasion. I I never knew to the, the things you learn. I was today at eight years old when I realized Bruce Hart wanted to team up with XPW in two thousand. <laughs> I mean, he's just looking for any grasp, but yet he never called WCW in two days. But let's call XPW. Like he's booking ECW guys and then trying to work with XPW. Uh, well, we got some more about this. Uh, on July 31st, uh, Meltzer reports uh, there are some shakeups in Stampede Wrestling. Ross Hart quit after a, bo- a board meeting on July 17th. They got together at Bruce's kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, although he was still running the show on July 21st. There has been some unrest among the wrestlers because Stampede Wrestling has drawn poorly and many are behind on pay. But Stampede still flew in Sabu and his entourage, including Josh Lazy of XPW. It appears that Sabu, Lazy, and Bruce Hart are trying to pull together some sort of international alliance where they make Sabu an old-style touring world champion and that he'd work XPW, Stampede, and link the promoters in England and Australia. Sabu has done business with Bruce and Stampede TV. Producer Graham One went to XPW show this weekend in Los Angeles. Stampede is also trying to put together a combined show with WWF on September 8th at the Coral, which might may be official by the time you read this. This would be uh, the same show that they were going to do in May, flamed out because of all the negative publicity from the other wings of the Hart family since it was involved the birthday for Stu and some sort of memorial for Owen. The idea now is to make up the show some sort of Brian uh, Pillman benefit and keep Owen and Stu's name totally out of it. At at the July 21st uh, non-TV taping in Calgary for just 80 fans, uh, Phil LaFon wrestled for the first time more in a year. He did nothing risky, but it's said to be in decent shape. Uh, David Boy Smith Jr. did a run-in when his son Harry uh, was getting double-teamed. Uh, Jim Nyhart was there in his new role as WWF scout, uh, basically a way to keep him on the payroll until the Owen case is settled, uh, Meltzer reports, uh, which it certainly looks like that from the outside. And then the wrestler Frankenstein of the group is Carla Duke. So... There's a lot to unpack here. Bruce still like still thought that he could be a local promoter for WWE and just would think he can just call Vince and run co-branded shows when WWE never did co-branded shows. And they didn't need it. They're they're going to run Calgary maybe once a year, twice. They don't need and they were draw- to throw they were- the Stampede name on there. And during it's this 2000. Yeah, during this era, WWE's running the Saturdome and drawing 
15, 16,000. They don't need, they're selling the place out. They don't, they don't need Bruce. I just, and while he's doing this, he's this international alliance <laughs> with XBW. And then who are the promotions in England and Australia? Oh, I don't think Bruce knew. I, 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 I don't. Uh, I mean, if you, it, if you're gonna make Sabu the Pacific champion, I could understand Australia, Japan, like maybe Hawaii at that time, like hitting, and obviously XPW because you're on the West Coast and like getting up there, maybe even work with APW hitting up there in the Northern California. I don't see hitting England. I don't see hitting Europe. It kind of doesn't make sense in that. And also, because you're not gonna do it for Stu and Owen because of all the backlash. Oh, we'll have it for Pillman. That happens already in Cincinnati, Ohio, every year. Like, I don't understand. Like, you're just, oh, well, Pillman passed away. Like, he's trying to draw a house with old names and with as tribute shows as yeah. a reason to bring and people WWF in. WWF will agree to the talent if he makes it a tribute show. Yeah. Th- th- that's the thing. Well, they, they were up until, up until this point. Yeah. They're kind of like sour on the whole thing. Plus, probably legally, they didn't want to get involved. Yeah. And, well, we'll do it for Pillman. Like, it's <laughs> Big oh one. sure. Or well, that case. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, like like they were doing some great memorial shows in Cincinnati. Those shows are legendary. I'll probably cover those when we do the HWA episodes. Uh HWA episode here, but uh yeah, there there is a Brian Pillman memorial show. Yeah, hey, you want to honor Brian Pillman in more ways than one. I, I love it, but this clearly is a oh, we can't do Stu's name, we can't do Owen's name. So who, what other famous person from Calgary has a connector? connection to wwf that we can do this for the fans know and we could bring in yeah. wwf talent yeah um on august 7 2000 uh, the proposed uh, september 8th stampede wwf show at the corral in calgary won't be promoted as a benefit show for brian pillman but they may honor stampede legends during the show one of which will be pillman on uh, september- so, so now it's turned into now it's turned into we're just gonna honor all the legends of stampede and we'll we'll mention pillman and the others yeah. along with it on September 25th, uh, Stampede Wrestling is in rough shape as it pertains to their future. They ran a house show on September 8th in Calgary after canceling the TV taping portion of the show. Uh, Bruce Hart did a run-in to build up his program against Carl LaDuke. Stampede has no more spot shows uh, scheduled and only has run 10 dates of the past 10 weeks and has nothing aired but old tapes and television since early July. Um, April 23rd, 2000, Stampede Wrestling has lost its TV. Due to not being able to afford the production costs for doing any new tapings. And it doesn't seem likely they'll be able to get it back. Much of the Stampede names, Dick Reigns, Jason Neidhart, Greg Pollock, and Johnny Devine have left the company. And will work for a new promotion that debuts on November 20th in Calgary. Uh, Jim Neidhart is rumored uh, to be with the new group as well as Greg Gama. Uh, who was a mid-80s headliner for Old Stampede during the uh, early Owen Hart and Brian Pillman days. Uh, by the way, Gama Singh has recently done stuff with Impact, which is pretty cool. Uh, Stampede. Oh, he's been there for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Stampede is going to uh, continue to operate, but only running one show every Friday night at the old Ogden Legion in Auditorium near Calgary. So now you have no TV. You're not running regular dates. You're losing a lot of your talent. You're now just a once-in-a-while indie. You're a once-a-month show now. Like it, you went, you something went. that started in April 2019 by October 2020 is is a once-a-month. Which it's almost like what he was doing before <laughs> territory, yeah, or for the the you know uh, the relaunch. Um, on on October thirtieth, Western Canadian Extreme Wrestling, 
Uh, everyone wanted to use Extreme during that. <laughs> uh, debuted on October 20th in Calgary, which most of the wrestlers from the Stampede Wrestling drawing about 400 fans. Already drawing better than Bruce ever did, which is a lot <laughs> more than the other Stampede's been doing. Uh, the show has been run by Jason Anderson, Jordan Clark, who worked at Stampede as Dirty Dick Reigns, uh, but is working the group as uh, Duke Durango and was half of the Stampede International tag team titles, uh, tag team champions. And then WCEW had a press conference two days earlier saying that most of the wrestlers leaving were owed money uh, by the hearts. Bad News Allen was comparing the treatment of the wrestlers to the treatment of slaves in another generation <laughs> because many have gone back uh, one year without being paid. Ross Hart was quoted acknowledged that the wrestlers were owed money but that it's their intention to pay them back. So, I mean, that's a crazy statement from from Bad News Allen. Um, and he asked what, what I mean by, like, well, that's bold. Uh, yeah. But, wow, a year and not being paid? I mean, is it almost their fault for still working there? Like, I think they just believed Bruce when he kept saying, like, things are going to turn around. I mean, I'm assuming he's he said things are going to turn around because that's what everything looks like here. Where like he's like, oh yeah, I got big things, got TV going here, got this coming up, doing a big show with WWE. Like, see that? And I just put the link in there for uh, in notes for the Western Canadian Extreme Wrestling, which yeah. only ran 22 shows, so they didn't last too long. They, they were 2000 and 2001, and ended at the end of 2001. But you look at that roster, like pretty much the same. Like who was running? Greg Pollock was there. Marvin Pope, Gamma, yeah, you know, like same stuff. Yeah, but it's amazing where uh, you, you're constantly having other feds pop up here, hitting other towns. And if if Bruce is doing well and paying guys well, guys wouldn't be going out working other, working these other feds. Man, how how much has changed in a little over a year? In this yeah. time period, it's crazy. Uh, in November 27, 2000, so, some notes from the Stampede Wrestling site regarding Western Extreme Canadian Championship Wrestling. Uh, the people who directly left Stampede for WECW were Greg Pollock, who was considered one of Stampede's most promising workers, been compared to Chris Benoit as a rookie, uh, Jordy Clark, William Yates, and Irish Red Orion, along with the most famous switch manager and area wrestling legend, Bad News Allen, who did the color on the Stampede shows before the company lost TV. Um, O'Reardon is actually the brother of Clark, who is part of the promotion, and Pollock is Clark's good friend. Uh, Jason Anderson, another of the promoters of the group, was Jason Neidhart and Stampede, but hadn't worked there in months. Uh, Vic Viper worked on occasion as a jobber in Stampede, uh, as had Mike McFly. <laughs> uh, jo Johnny Devine had left Stampede Wrestling month months ago for Canon Wrestling, and then made the move to WECW. Those at Stampede admitting to owing wrestlers back pay, as well as having debts for television production, advertising, and other things. The claim is that Bad News himself was always paid for his TV work. Bad News had a few chicks bounce, and they always made good on it in cash when it was brought to their attention. There were others that also uh, there were others also had chicks bounce that have yet to receive their money. So it's a little Paul Heyman style here. I think Bruce is Bruce is banking on the Hearts name for a lot of this stuff for like for TV production for advertising. Uh, he's probably going off of going off of credit. Being like I'm, I'm the son of the famous Stu Hart. We're running Stampede Wrestling and getting, getting a lot more leeway from creditors than a normal normal promoter would. 
and in December 18, 2000, uh, the Edmonton Boxing and Wrestling Commission is dropping its blood pressure testing requirements. Hey, you can afford the doctor fee for wrestlers unless no longer uh, mandate for shows. That was the reason the Hurts uh, gave for pulling out of Edmonton because they're poorly drawing shows. The doctor fees made a difference. Uh, Stampede Wrestling did run on December 8th of Calgary, but the crowd draw 75. So now we switch up a little bit. Figure four <laughs> weekly, uh, Brian Alvarez, on January 21st, 2001. Bruce Hart, who claims to he was threatened with bodily harm, announces plans to file charges against his sister's ex-husband, Davey Boy Smith, who is dating Bruce's exchange, estranged wife, Andrea, whose sister-in-law, Diana, the same that used to be married to Davey, and wrote a book claiming that half the family is crazy, is currently dating a wrestler who works for Bruce's Stampede Wrestling, whose gimmick is the son of famous football star Dick Buckus. In the end, the case is dropped after a confused Bruce somehow manages to file charges against himself. Like, how does that happen? How do you file char- Is it possible for you to file charges against himself? Like, I, I, he, like he had to fill out a form, and it says who you, who's, <laughs> like who do you want to put the restraining order against? And he put his own name. So, for just a business side of, you're a dying promotion. I think one of the things you have left is the fact that Davy Boy will do run-ins for you, and you got, uh, you know, you got a son there, and now you're just gonna throw that out of the door. Like, why was he threatening bodily harm? Well, well. Obviously, obviously, because Davy Davy was with yeah. Well, they were next. It's it's strange. Strange. So Bruce's wife is in a relationship with Davy. So obviously, Bruce is going to be upset about that. So I get that. Uh, How do you file charges against yourself? I I, I'll never understand that. Oh, I I I refer everyone back to the APW show with Bruce Hart in court and. And this is this is who Roland Alexander chose to pick as an expert witness. The guy who filed bullet charges. Oh yeah, that guy's gonna help me. Well, maybe he maybe he's confused about the law in in, in Calgary. You know, place he lives. Oh, on March fifth, two thousand one, uh, Bad News Allen was fired as the Booker of West uh, Western Canadian Championship, Extreme Championship Wrestling, uh, which was a small promotion that had taken uh, the loss of. A lot of Stampede talent, including Allen, that left for after being so behind on paper Stampede. About a half a dozen of the wrestlers quit the promotion after Allen was fired. Uh, Mandalay Sports and Digital Artisans Guild announced this week a joint venture called MattRats.com to produce a weekly television show in which pilot episodes have already been taped in Calgary. The show is going to be an outrageous high spot pro wrestling match show featuring teenagers as the top stars headed by Teddy Hart, Harry Smith, uh, the audience would also include planted female fans who would go crazy over the guys to get them over as a hot act. They are budgeting the shows with a projector grossing $18 million in annual revenue through domestic and international licensing, pay-per-view, and sponsorship, advertising, and, and internet. Mandalay has had interest in pro wrestling since it's evolved with many deals with WCW through the longtime friendship of Eric Bischoff and Mandalay executive Jason Hervey, a longtime wrestling fan and former television star with the Wonder Years. Mandalay owns a few minor league baseball teams and lists an alliance with WCW as their most impressive strategic alliance. 
So we wanted to include this in here. I know this doesn't Bruce directly, but one of the parts, fun parts about the show is, is like I said, the early roots of Harry and, and, and TJ and Natalie and all that. Um, and, and this, and, uh, uh, man, they had, wow. 18, they really thought Matt Ratz was going to do that. Well, I mean, it's honestly the beginning of another wrestling recession. You, you, no one knew that at that time in early March 2001 because they everyone thought Eric Bischoff was going to buy WCW which makes me wonder if this if like he was going to somehow had an idea to merge these together because you know he claimed it was just an idea brought to him but I think he was more involved than than, than yeah Bischoff's podcast he's mentioned that uh, he's used this to shit on Meltzer and say that it was just an idea uh, by Jason Hervey and that he just, he had like one involvement, but it wasn't anything. He, he never was involved. But uh, as I was doing research, I've noticed that Bischoff did interviews where he promoted this and gave like a forward statement about where Matt, where he wants Matt Ratz to go. So he was involved a lot more than what he, what he le- leads on at, in 2021. Here. Uh, on uh, April 16th, uh, 2001, this is back to figure four weekly, uh, Stampede Wrestling sent out a press release last week claiming the promotion would relaunch on April 13th at the Ogden Legion Hall in Calgary. The company had actually been running occasional shows from time most recently March 17th, but they did take a big hit several months ago when half the crew uh, left for the WCW. Um the WCW is still running shows, even though they had to cancel one recently because somebody forgot to bring the ring. So it's not just Stampede that's making mistakes. Uh, I'm not making that up, Over says. Uh, top names inclu- uh, headlining the Stampede show are Crazy Horse Eddie Mustang, Richard Pound, the principal's still there, uh, Ty Cobb, Apocalypse, the future Victor from the Ascension, and Dave Swift. Bruce Hart, who would be 49 now, is also making his comeback on that show. Hart will be facing Pound, who attacked him at the last show. Um, well, the draw is low, obviously, because there's no hearts in the show, so you got to have Bruce wrestling. That's got to pop the town, brother. Oh, man. Uh, on uh, April 23rd, 2001, uh, it, it's reported uh, Stu, uh, who turned 86, uh, next month was taken to the hospital on April 2nd, suffering from diabetes uh, with a fluid buildup in the lungs and as well as his heart uh, after being ill for more than a week. Hart remained in the hospital all weekend, although he was let out a few hours for Easter, but had to return because there was nobody to officially discharge him, and he was officially home the next day. Uh, reports we received that the situation wasn't nearly as serious as it was made out to be, which included a story in the Calgary Sun. They got a lot of play on Stampede's website, and Bruce Hart talked about dedicating his match to Stu when he wrestled on April 13th. Hart had the same problem about one year ago. He was kept in hospital over the weekend, largely because of his age, and they didn't want to release him early. He was actually suffering from uh, edema and not pneumonia. He said that he's been in good spirits in the hospital, taking talking to the nurses about Frank Gotch and the like. Oh, nurse, let me tell you about <laughs> Frank Gotch. Uh, Bruce Hart won the North American title for Stampede Wrestling. How many titles do they have? On April 13th in Calgary over Principal Richard Pound. Uh, Bruce Hart uh, Jr. interfered in the finish. The whole Stampede Wrestling relaunch will largely as a work for the internet as the company has run shows the past year about once a month and is still running shows in Calgary about once a month, usually drawing less than 100 
So you're not drawing anything, so you think you're just going to announce it as a relaunch. But I I found it interesting that Stu, uh, Stu went into the hospital and Bruce used it as a reason to promote his next match. Sort of very Von Erich-ish of him, should I say? Mm-hmm. But that seems to be a recurring theme with second-generation wrestlers and oh. wrestling families. Um, we got a little bit more on Matt Rats on April thirtieth. Uh, uh, so Bishop was named the ex- executive vice president of development for uh, MattRats.com. Um, they did a taping largely of uh, Bischoff and Jason Hervey several weeks back. His role is attempt to put the business together deals, including to, ra- to raise capital as well as work with Mandalay Sports for television deals and handle much of the business and marketing, as well as being the company's spokesman that have creative input in all facts of the business. So this kind of makes sense. His deal falls apart. Just go do this now. Like, yeah, to, to officially be. More I think he, I think he had a. This. I think he kept this as, as like a side project, and then the WCW purchase falls through, and now he's he needs a job, so he's all in on this. Just skimming through it, they're looking to like sell the project for syndication. Um, you know, uh, say that uh, for far more than the collapse of ECW and WCW, the biggest story of the business will be that. Uh, the UFC or Pride or anyone who attempts to produce television to fill the void for the la- lack of alternative televised wrestling products is the current economics television. So, I mean, it's it, on paper, it's a good idea, but I, I, I also too in two thousand one, he's also trying to paint this like boy band era too. It seems like, and that was also starting to die too in two thousand one. Yeah. So, but it's obviously it's a there's a weird era that we've talked about in other shows where you have XWF starting up. Like, there's so many promotions. Everyone's trying. Yeah. And I think it's later in the notes, too, about the Matt Rats incident, uh, the Matt Rats stuff that Hulk Hogan even uh, tries to do something independent of XWF. But, like, you know, the WWA, because WWE was the only game in town. So there would have definitely been a market for it. Just I think TV networks were hesitant to jump on that. And and also with syndicated TV pretty much dying after 96. Uh, it was kind of it was so hard to try to get TV. That style of wrestling too would have probably worked a few years later. You know that he was going to put on. There. I I think even even with Matt Rats, like, if you looked at MT, MTV five years earlier, it would have worked. MTV in the mid nineties would yeah. have loved a wrestling product like that. But two thousand one, and they're already starting to progress. Like they're they're doing reality programming. Yeah. yeah, I don't think. Their product and their what their their image was changing, where I don't think it would have worked out. Uh, May twenty first, uh, two thousand one. Michael Modest and Christopher Daniels will head to Stampede on June twenty second. Looks like he's uh, working with uh, APW there. Yeah, he's got a few guys coming in uh, from uh, Northern California. Uh, Matt Rats uh, dot com. The promotion of Teenage High Flyers out of Calgary that Eric Bischoff and producer Hervey are involved with is considering the idea to run a pay per view in September. For actually getting on television and a way to introduce the the product um, on May twenty eighth two thousand one, uh, while there may be no direct heat between the two, uh, as if the situations are mutually beneficial, of course there wouldn't be. But there's heat between people working with Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. Hogan has been for months now been involved with the various meetings with Universal, which haven't come to fruition. Bischoff is trying to generate funding and clear television for MattRats.com, and thus for. Far finding pro wrestling a dirty word for the tel- TV industry, despite its ratings. Bischoff had meetings earlier in the month with Universal, and according to what people at Universal said, dropped Hogan's name in some form of being part of the project, causing Universal to question the other group and Hogan's support or not. Though, 
Those that are close to Hogan advising him to steer clear of the Matt Rats project because of potential serious injury to teenagers during that outlandish moves and potential bad publicity that could bring if he would be seen endorsing the product. Yeah, Hulk Hogan would never want to put any teenagers in danger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so anyway. Um, anyway uh, it, it, it's, it, I put that in the notes just because it's interesting that Bischoff is still like throwing it, just name dropping Hogan, probably probably just name dropping his his friendship with Hogan to see if that would open doors here, because Hogan still had a name, sort of name value in the late nineties. And he, here here's the thing for Bruce too. If Bruce didn't have that falling out with Davy Boy, he's probably still talking to Harry, which Harry would probably tell him, "Oh yeah, Bischoff's doing this thing for us," and then he would totally weasel his way in, in this like. Like, oh, hey, yeah. Matt Ratz. And they probably would have had shows. Yeah. It would have just been Stampede. It would have been Stampede Presents Matt, Matt Ratz. Ratz. Yep. You would have uh, had to have the Stampede name in there somewhere. Uh, on June 4, 2001, before the May 28th Raw show in Calgary, Bruce met with Vince. Some reports have the meeting lasting as much as one hour. It's believed that Bruce tried to pitch an idea of using Stampede Wrestling as a developmental territory for the WF. According to a family member at this point, is probably leaning towards Bruce's position but didn't attend the show because Ellie now works for Stampede. The thought process is, was that they felt Vince owed them making the company a developmental territory because he owed Ellie for a lot for her role for siding with him and killing the lawsuit that could have cost him a lot more. Several in the WAF that night are very negative about Bruce, not about the meeting himself, although Martha publicly stated that she felt family members are even meeting uh, about doing business with a man was hurtful to her. Both people, uh, but people in the WWF and, uh, and out felt was putting the family and Stu on display at ringside and shooting photos for the Stampede website of various WWF wrestlers backstage, and it was tacky under the circumstances. That did air on on Raw as well. Like they did, they did shoot uh, Stu and the family sitting ringside. On a Stampede Wrestling next day, Bruce proclaimed uh, the day as the Hart family and McMahon reconciling their differences in reality. All the Hart family members uh, at the show, except Stu, the oldest living and the oldest living son Smith, had already sided with Vince against Martha for a year or more, largely due to their existing ties in the pro wrestling industry. Uh, many of the only real game left. Those who hadn't sided with Vince all along and no longer had ties from the account still felt the same for those who attended the show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, j- j- just to recap here, Bruce is still trying to be a developmental character. <laughs> now nah, he's trying, but... It- and he's using it as leverage. Like, look, look, Ellie killed the lawsuit, so you know, help, yeah. help a heart out. Um, so if Stampede were, if Stampede wasn't running here, you got to wonder, like, would there have been a division between the Hart family? Like, would they have all sided with Brett and Martha? Possibly. I, I if, if they had nothing to lose, but, like, obviously Bruce and others saw it as the family legacy of Stampede and – Saw it as easier to work with Vince. On uh, June 11th, uh, Lance Storm, Michael Modest, and Christopher Daniels will be working from June 21st to June 24th on Stampede. Did Lance have a time that he wasn't under contract? No, he was under contract. WWE they they sent him on loan. So that was okay. So that was probably that probably also came up at that Bruce and Vince meeting. Here you can have Lance. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. 
Uh, the Calgary Sun had an article about the Hart family split. Stu was quoted as saying, I was glad I went. I never had any arguments with anybody in the wrestling business. Hart was given the Order of Canada in Ottawa on May 31st. Uh, the basic upshot of Vince's meeting with Bruce is that Vince told Bruce to give him a business proposal on his idea of making Stampede into another OVW-like developmental territory, trying to sell it that it would be more cost-effective before because costs in Canada are less. I left it at that. Uh, Matt Ratz is considering a name change because some of the uh, broadcasters feel it narrows the product too young and constricting the demographic. They are aiming for ages 12 to 26 and feel the name cuts off of those ever over 18. The promotion is planning its premiere event on July 29th in Calgary and doing a contest to rename the company. Um, we have some more Matt Ratz through June 18th. Matt Ratz will likely undergo change in the next few weeks. They'll be putting on a live event July 29th. Uh, it'll be a double of a pilot episode for syndication as well as a test event for the executives of In Demand, which is the decision-making power of getting in on pay-per-view. They're looking at potential uh, live pay-per-view in October if everything goes well. According to Eric Bischoff, the only way to make it work is uh, to be 180 degrees different from WWF. His belief that any similarity with the WWF product, they won't be able to compete. They're going to use wrestlers between the age of 16 and 24, feeling anyone under 16 could result in negative publicity uh, using people underage. They'll try to eliminate anything that gives wrestling a negative stigma this day as far as bad language, heavy sexual innuendos, and weapons matches. Um, June 25th, uh, here's the week's strange Hart family story. Diana Hart worked on June 15th for Western Canadian Extreme Wrestling, which is the opposition promotion for Stampede, as the manager for boyfriend James Trimble. Uh, their luck wasn't good as Trimble blew out his knee in a match. I'm, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> and had surgery over the weekend, showed Drew less than more than 100. I, it's terrible for James Trimble. I, I, I don't mean to laugh. It, it was 20 years ago. I'm sure his knee, I'm sure his knee recovered since then. Uh, Speaking of Bischoff, MattRats.com announced its first pay-per-view on October 28th. They're also doing a major house show in Calgary called Rave in the Ring on July 29th with Bischoff and Hervey appearing as guests. Um, we got July 2nd notes from uh, Dave and Alvarez. We'll start with Alvarez. Stampede Wrestling ran a big four-show tour over the weekend using Michael Modest, Lance Storm, Christopher Daniels, and a few of the Matt Rats wrestlers. Uh, Modest and Bruce Hart traded the North American title back and forth with Hart ending the tour with the belt. Modest did beat him for the Pacific heavyweight title. They're still going with that on the last night of the tour, which will be taken back to California. Modest is the current APW champion. Teddy Hart pulled out all the dates in Calgary because his girlfriend was pregnant and overdue. Uh, and Dave's and notes on this was uh, Modest won the title from Bruce on uh, June 21st in Leverage, Alberta for 140 fans. Headlined by Lance Storm over Christopher Daniels, but they switched it back the other night in Calgary before 300 fans. When Bruce regained the title, he, he dedicated his win to Owen and Pillman. <laughs> Here is what the, the, the downside of Matt Rats comes in. Jack Evans, who worked the first two nights of the tour, was injured and hospitalized at the Calgary show after the opposing team valet, Natalia Neidhart, Natty Neidhart, Ali and Jim's daughter, um, uh, gave him a reverse Rana. After the match, and he landed on top of his head and was knocked out uh, and motionless for a long time, eventually going on the structure. When you have 16-year-olds doing high-risk stunts, and I know they do them, and they can be more dangerous in the X Games type of competition, there's real injury possibility, and one can result in a very negative backlash. The Calgary match, which was Harry Smith uh, and Ted Hart versus uh, MTJ Wilson over Jake and Jack Evans and Marky Starr, was said to be a four-star match. Tons of innovative moves, and Jack 
Uh, Evans and Starr have a natural charisma. They drew 322 on, Med- on June 24th in Medicine Hat and 75 on June 24th in Drumbeller. Modest won the Pacific title the final night from Hart, which means he's scheduled to come back. Um, At least they put the Pacific title on someone from California so they can actually. And, and Bruce it. is changing the style here. He's booking some of these high-flying kids. He's booking Daniels, Lance Storm. He's paying for flights for some of these guys now from California. He's kind of – we talk about the influence of Roland Alexander a couple episodes ago. You see it here with some of his guys, and you see, like, people are going more towards that mat-based, like, like product-based. Like, what is the in-ring product like that Ring of Honor would start to do a little bit shorter? it, It starts to happen, and you even see it with Stampede. Yeah, and you see Jack Evans. Jack Evans. Well, not for nothing. They 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 lost a good amount of guys to to the competition. So, but I think it might have been for the better. Oh yeah, and they're drawing similar houses. I mean, they didn't. I mean, they did good in Calgary, but it didn't really go up. But it didn't go down. It was seventy five to hundred. <laughs> but it 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 takes a while to grow. That is true. Um, on July 16, 2001, Matt Ratz released a lineup for July 29th house show in Calgary, which is something of a test run for the October pay-per-view show. Jason Hervey would be the on-air commentator or commissioner, which has its good and bad points. The bad is obvious anyone remembers Hervey as a short-lived Nitro announcer, which I don't even remember that. Uh, the good is, is that they at least are very good on camera and has years of experience in acting. Best uh, guys are said to be Jack Evans, Vince Hall, who did the 540 uh, uh Swanton, uh, or Senton, I'm sorry, on the pilot tape. Ted, Teddy Hart, TJ Wilson, and Renee Dupree, who was involved in Matt Ratz and did not know that too, who is the son of longtime Maritimes promoter Emil Dupree, is said to be 18 years old and has shredded 250 pounds. And people who have seen him said he could be the next megastar of the business. Dupree versus Harry Smith will be the main event. Joey Styles is the leading candidate for the announcer of the group. The group actually had the most underrated announcer in business, Moro Ranella, who did a hell of a job. Uh, with Bad News Allen for Stampede Wrestling a year back. Yeah, I mean, Moore Ranello probably would have been the guy they uh, they should they, I mean, that, that I would have picked for this. He was still very young at this time, too, if you're going for that feel. But look at this. Renee Dupree, Jack Evans, Teddy Hart, TJ Wilson. This is pretty groundbreaking in 2001. This is almost yeah. a Canadian, like... I try to think of the best word for it. I want to say smart fan wrestling, but like it's it's a Canadian Ring of Honor almost. Which is which is so strange that they just running I don't want to say Calgary's in the middle of nowhere, but they're running way up there. Like I, I always find it funny that Matt Ratz would pick Calgary when you would think like that's would you want to run Los Angeles or even uh Vancouver where you could probably which Vancouver has since turned into a huge uh place to tape movies and tv shows but just calgary is just an odd place my my thing is that he picked that or they picked that because you had a bunch of kids that were 16 17 18 that already had a experience very rarely were you gonna find i mean you probably could have found that a little bit on the east coast i mean at this point we got the briscoes in 2001 too uh, you know but you had m dog and josh prohibition Josh Prohibition. i mean you had some of those guys but those guys were also known for the well m dog prohibition were doing the back air wrestling things too um but yeah i mean it it is a weird spot but you had so much natural like talent already there that, that that's that I think cause they had so many 16, 17 year olds out there working. Already. Yeah. 
Um, on July twenty third, two thousand one. Uh, 70 star Leo Burke is is working with the Matt Reds wrestler to help with their fundamentals. A lot of the guys do amazing high spots, but the punching and kicking in many cases leave a lot to be desired. That's still stuff with like these young kids. I think they learn to do corkscrews before they yeah. to be aggressively punching and kicking. Um on August 6, 2001, uh, MattRats.com ran, which is basically a preview of doing a pay-per-view before the scheduled live show on October 28th. Show took place on July 29th in Calgary, which drew about 300, mainly VIPs for a preview. Joey Styles and Don Callis were there, and the schedule for the pay-per-view is the announcing crew, the Invisible Hand, uh, along with, with uh, regular announcer Mauro Ranello. That's a team. Joey Styles, Don Callis, Mauro Ranello. Yeah. That's a pretty good announced team. Um, the show was described as those being high on the product uh, as a big disappointment with the words and the, uh, that everything the critics said it would be with what it turned out to be. Some tremendous spots, but lots of green workers and guys who usually didn't get it together. Only two or three good matches, the best being Harry Smith over Rene Dupree to win the new generation wrestling title. Uh, Dave Swift, who works for Stampede, was said to have looked good as well. But the show had far many missed spots, blown spots, missed time run-ins, and lacked heat. Ronello did the announcing live for the audience, which to a degree was blamed on lowering the heat as the fans were listening to play-by-play. Also, no one would boo the heels, even when prompted. Hottest spot was Jack Evans hitting a corkscrew 630. And uh, on August 13th, Matt Ratz changed his name to New Generation Wrestling, although everyone involved with the project still refers to do as Matt Ratz. Which New Generation Wrestling would make the sense on that, so. Yeah. And we got some more. We're very Matt Rats heavy in this time period. Uh, September 25th, Matt Rats Project, or Matt Rats Project will be meeting on September 27th with the Western International, one of the major national syndicators. Uh, the meeting goes well. Everything will be in place uh, to make a run. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped it. I skipped September 10th. I apologize. September 10th, 2001, Matt Rats or Next Generation Wrestling is likely to have a decision to be made on September 12th if it goes forward, depending on uh, making a national syndication deal, which will be done as a television show as opposed to a pro wrestling show, which stations treat as paid programming. Without the deal, the concept won't go anywhere. With the deal, at least they'll have television. The plans for a fall pay-per-view are out of the window, and they, as they never come, come to their senses, recognizing there was no way to do it without losing uh, several hundred grand in one night. And the Matt Rest Project will be meeting on September 27th at, with Western National, one of the largest syndicators. If the meeting goes well, everything is placed to make a run, and there is no syndication deal coming out of the meeting. The odds are that it will be the end of the project. And on January 21st, 2002, Matt Rett's website has disappeared, which probably tells you the state of that deal. So that's the end of uh, Matt Rats. Yes, and, and, and this was also... The time period too, where I, like I think Bishop starts having conversations, but going back to WWE a, a few months later. Yeah. But yeah, but it's still in that time period. So, and um, then the the discussion earlier about uh, the 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 TV deal, mm-hmm. trying to get a TV deal as opposed to uh, paid programming. That's that's a point I bring up all the time to novice indie promoters and novice indie wrestlers who just think in simplistic terms of, well, all you got to do is all, all an indie fed needs to do is have a TV show and take it to a network and or take it to a TV station and they'll put it on because they, it's programming. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. In 1996, uh, TV, TV was deregulated. I guess the best 
term for it. And ever since 90s, prior to 96, TV stations could only air a certain amount of paid programming. They had to actually have programming. So that's why wrestling flourished, flourished in the 80s and the 90s up until that point because they needed TV and wrestling was cheap. In 96, uh, TV was deregulated. And now there was no limit on what a TV station, how much uh, paid programming a TV station can put on. So now a TV station would rather just sell 95% of their TV time to a paid programming company and put put something as paid programming in there than actually spend the money and pay a wrestling promotion. And like that's I I know I know uh I think Bruce Pritchard talked about that. I think Bischoff talked about that in their respective podcasts as well. But that's a very little known side effect of that era of why syndication and T V wrestling went by the wayside is because now it was more financially viable for T V networks and local stations to just take money for paid programming than actually put wrestling or put any other product on or any other TV show on. Or you could also buy, and you see a lot, is syndication that's cheap but has name value too. So like, you know. The Office or Big Bang Theory. Yes, exactly. Seinfeld, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, you know, uh, even a show like Jeopardy's in syndication. Yeah. You know, Um, on – July 11th, 2002, uh, Dory Funk is bringing his crew of Ocala, Florida-based wrestlers like Adam Windsor, Neil Faith, and Bone Crusher to Stampede Wrestling for a show on February 22nd in Calgary. Dory really wanted Adam Windsor to work out. <laughs> February 18th, 2002, yeah. uh, Michelle Kelly, who was competing in the Skeleton for Canada, has talked about doing pro wrestling with Stampede Wrestling after the Olympics. Uh, the current record holder in her event, which takes place on uh, February 20th, with both a gymnastics and bobsledding background, Kelly, who was from Calgary, trained with Bruce Hart uh, a little after being prompted to get in when a friend's husband, who was a wrestler, talked her into trying. And I don't think much comes out of Michelle Kelly. Uh, no. no, no, but I thought it, that was no, an interesting story yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah, it's a, he. You could tell he's he's his relevance. He's just trying. Yeah. Like, oh, this Olympic athlete and this and that. I'm trying to work with Dory Funk. <laughs> uh, on March 4, 2002, Dory Funk's Bang Promotion came up to Calgary on February 22nd, Stampede Wrestling for 175 fans. The main event saw Dory, who celebrated his 60th birthday this past week, team with Adam Windsor to lose their Bang t- TV titles to Bruce and Teddy Hart. That we need, I need to get that match. <laughs> when Bruce is now 50-bit Dory. The plan is for Bruce and Ted to do a show in Ocala, Florida, to defend the titles. Neil Faith, who is from England but trains in Florida, staying in Canada until the end of March to train with Stampede. Um, on March 12, 2002, a little more uh, Matt Rat stuff. Uh, Eric Bischoff said in an interview at Wrestling Observer about his concept for new generation wrestling forming Matt Rats. He talked like he was expecting him to go into production in June for a September TV season, but admitted it all. It isn't all finalized. He said the matches would be different in the way that they won't have pins or submissions, but we'll have three judges as ringside awarding points for creativity and execution. Yeah. European rules never work like American. They just never do. Uh, It works pro wrestling except with real outcomes, or at least that's what he was going to try and sell because no wrestling promoter can resist tampering with outcomes when it comes to creating a star. The inherent problem was putting two guys in a ring and judging the winner over on work rate with judges is that the opponent in being in the wrong place at the wrong time can make moves look horrible. It's better you judge 
as a match if you have winning duos advance or award a best match of the day. Yeah, here's here's Bischoff being very They're talking about it. Yeah. yeah, being very very blatant on a radio. Involved. Like, yeah, uh, August nineteenth, two thousand two. Stampede Wrestling is planning a tournament in September for the vacant British Commonwealth Men Heavyweight Title, which used to be a really big deal from the seventies, uh, though clo- through the closing of the promotion, nineteen eighty nine. The list of title holders, which are pretty much who's who of guys like uh, Chris Benoit, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, George Takano, Davey Boy Smith, and Dynamite Kid. They revived the belts in 1989. It was won as a three-way tourney uh, by Principal Richard Pound. So, yeah, things have changed. Stampede Wrestling. Uh, his, his next show is August 23rd in Calgary's Ogden Hall. Man, Principal Richard Pound was a mainstay for, for, for Bruce here, huh? Yeah. He's, he's, he's stuck with him. I, he, he, he homesteaded. <laughs> uh, uh, just a little skim over here. March 24, 2003, Diana Hart uh, tried to get a 55th anniversary show, the Stampede Wrestling promotion, and to celebrate Stu Hart's uh, uh, birthday. But on May 2nd, only had 200 tickets sold the weekend. And Stu, you know, he was still hospitalized at that point. Uh, and they also, uh, WWF turned down any talent that that were appearing as well um uh they they try to bring even bring in aj styles and harley White race and nothing there and at the point now yeah in 2003 i believe the lawsuit's over so wb still doesn't want anything to do with it yeah and and just like Stu's birthday is like the the way we make money oh it's gonna be Stu's birthday yeah oh, it's gonna like Stu's birthday um I, and, and i i do like the part where uh yeah brett uh, even if Brett didn't want to come, she asked for permission to advertise him. <laughs> uh, on April 21st, 2003, there are several groups uh, negotiating the purchase rights to Stu Hart's collection of 500 hours of Stampede Wrestling videotapes. WWE is interested, as is European Television Sports Network and ESPN Classics Canada, which have offered 250000 for the collection. So imagine if ESPN buys it and not WWE. I think it ends up in that, like, how ESPN weirdly owns, like... Some AWA stuff. And they also own uh, Pawfo stuff, too. Okay. Yeah, they, they own, like, because that's how... Uh, which, side note, Cheap Seats wrestling episodes are fantastic. <laughs> uh, that's how they own a lot of that stuff. I remember in 96 on... Uh, we had Prime Star... We had a Prime Star satellite dish... Uh, we had we got ESPN Classic when it was before it was ESPN Classic. It was actually just I believe it was just called Classic Sports, and they aired a lot of wrestling from the '60s, the early '60s, like a lot of Dumont Network stuff. But they occasionally will did show stuff from the '70s. So I assume if they bought if ESPN Classics bought Stampede, it would be the same thing. It would it would have just aired uh, weekends. Might have eventually fallen into the same boat of. Uh, like the Houston wrestling stuff right now. That's just a, a weird situation where like people just it... randomly have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the show did happen in May 12, 2003 the show put on by Diana Hart for Stu's 88th birthday was a major financial success. with drawing an overflow crowd of 538 people in a building capacity of 450 on May 2nd in Calgary between ticket sales and sponsorships. They took more than $17,000. Both the mayors of Calgary and Edmonton send statements in, and the Calgary Stampeders and Calgary Flames each sent Stu Hart a jersey with number 88 to him. Uh, Alberta Premier Ralph 
uh, Klein gave a tribute speech to Stu and stayed for about half the show. All the local TV stations sent camera crews. Uh, The newspaper gave the show a ton of coverage going in, which probably helped with the late sales. Advance wasn't looking good, including a full-page ad in the special section purchased by WWE, which read, Happy Birthday, Stu. WWE didn't allow its talent to work the show. The top matches were Sabu versus Teddy Hart, which was three and a quarter stars, and a strong performance in Sabu, uh, turning Ted, who plays face, but everyone knows him, and he's so cocky that he's usually booed. (laughs) Main event was AJ Styles, who impressed everyone, and Black Dragon, Brett Como, was the weak link, against TJ Wilson and Harry Smith, uh, at three stars. So look at that. AJ Styles working stampede in 2003. Uh, Bruce Hart did another long speech acknowledging problems with the family. He knocked the WWE a little, but not to the extent that he did a cauliflower alley. He then went into the ring uh, in, in a match that contained swearing and man on women violence. Uh, he worked Richard Pound on that show. So that's like Jimmy Snuka metal maniac level at this point. Um, and, so, about till 2005, Bruce runs, but there's really, at this point, Meltzer stops reporting it. It's nothing really relevant. Um, do we have an exact date of when he sold to Hannibal? Because he sold to Hannibal in 06, right? Uh, late 2005, early so, 2006. I don't have the exact date like that stuff. So, this is what we'll do. We'll just do the last 2005 show. I just kind of want to run down that card. December 16, 2005, this is the last Bruce Hart Stampede show. And, I mean, you got Alex Plexus versus Brandon LeBeau, Derek Cross versus Carlo Cannon, Dan Miles versus El Blanco, Negro Dragon, Natty Diehart versus Bell Levitz and Dusty Adonis, Stampede International Tag Team Match, Pete Wilson and Ravenous Randy versus Gama Singh Jr. and Tiger Raj Singh, and then Harry Smith versus Apocalypse, Rick Victor versus Sin versus Matt Richards. Um, so the, you know, it's, you like can see were, a lot of the future there. And like a lot of guys that were just kind of working all over the area, but they were running some semi, right. They're running regularly throughout Oh four and Oh five. So it's kind of hard to even pinpoint, like if there was a break in time, break in that point, uh, when I'm looking at, Bruce, it's list, they have a list of his Oh five is his last time. So, um, like Bruce Hart isn't even listed when I look at his matches completely like he's nothing's listed after Oh three on cage match, which is weird because I just, it actually did list him for that 2005 show. But, um, yeah, in 2000, 2005, uh, Devin Nicholson, Hannibal and Bill Bell took over the day-to-day operations of stampede. Uh, and then eventually, uh, Bruce and Ross sold stampede wrestling to Bill Bell in 2007. And yeah, then, but Bruce's involvement was pretty much done in 05. Yeah. Yeah. And then from what we've gathered from those promotions, ceased operations again in April 2008. So it was pretty much uh, done at that point. But uh, if you want to. Well, a couple that, little notes on the way. Uh, yeah. the, in 2006, uh, that's when WWE officially announced on June 12th that they have purchased the OVW World Class and Stampede t- tape libraries. They now own 75 hours of total wrestling footage, which obviously would become uh, the original backbone of the network, um, which it'd be kind of cool. I wonder how much Stampede they own if they actually like own till 89 or they actually own this because I could see Bruce trying to get some money with this. This is 
See, now, now I'm going to have to look up. While you're I, doing that, I'll talk about February 50,007 yeah. from the Figure Four Weekly. TJ Wilson and uh, Natty Neidhart worked their final Stampede show this week, and both will be moving to Atlanta in February to start work for Deep South Wrestling. So I think that's kind of the end of the era, too, because Harry's then Harry's on his way, and Teddy, he's just a nomad. He's all over. So, um, And then we don't get any Stampede Wrestling notes as far as uh, – like coming back until September 2011 where Teddy and uh, Harden Harry Smith used the famed Stampede Wrestling name on September 9th for an indie show outside of Calgary where they headlined against the Young Bucks. Wow, that's another match to look for. Uh, Teddy hasn't changed much, claiming the show would be distributed internationally on television through the AAA promotion. Hart hasn't even worked with the promotion for more than a year and claimed that they'd be bringing back a regular TV show like Stampede Wrestling. Ross Hart, Ted and Harry's uncle co-owns the name Stampede Wrestling along with Bruce Hart, and Ross had no idea the show was being billed as Stampede Wrestling, saying they, they just keep, they all just keep using it on each other, saying he wanted to distance himself um, from uh, saying it was Stampede Wrestling. Bruce says it was uneasy to use the name, but today didn't want to say anything negative because of several members of his family. Um, um, because of several members of his family were on the show. He said that he didn't know that they had used the name until he saw the posters and didn't want them using the name until he believed they earned it. Uh, but it evolves. Earned it. You were drawing 75 people with Dick Buckus Jr. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But it evolves something that even remotely close to what Stampede once was. I'm in favor of it. This is definitely like. This is it, the guy that he, he, he ran it to the ground. But you see the carniness of this. Like They you got know, the Young Bucks on her. That's already better than anything you've ever yeah. seen. You you had Bruce in the '90s saying big things are happening. I got we got TV coming up, and then you had Diana Diana are saying the same stuff, and then now you have Teddy saying the same stuff. It's just a it, it's a continual pattern of this. This guy goes Teddy kind of wanted to be more of a lucha libre style, and kind of like probably Matt Rats influenced. Um, well, that kind of that did something to Bruce because in September 2012. There was a CBC story on Bruce talking about reviving Stampede Wrestling. Well, that's the article you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because they were talking about Stu, and then Bruce was like, hey, by the way, I'm going to bring it back. Uh, uh, I, Bruce has revived it to Stampede a number of times since the full-time promotion ended in 1989. Um, and then a week later. Yeah, uh, oh, a week later, September 17th, Bret Hart, who had been in odds with Bruce, for years, as you could easily tell each other by each other's autobiography, noted that well, there's a Bruce Hart autobiography. I gotta read that. <laughs> that there'd be nothing to do with the new Stampede Wrestling that Bruce has talked about starting and said he knows his father would be embarrassed to be associated with it as well. Um, and it does, Stampede doesn't happen, but on December 17th, we get Hart Legacy Wrestling scheduled for a debut show on January 16th. Uh, in the Victorian uh, pa- uh, Pavilion in Calgary, which is home of the Stampede Wrestling during its glory days. Um, names listed appearing in the first show, 1800 Arena, were Kevin Ash, Conan, Bobby Lashley, Chris Masters, Lance Archer, Davey Boy Smith, Teddy Hart, Jack Evans, Johnny Devine, Jason the Terrible, the Super Smash Brothers, Uno and Dos, Samurai Del Sol, Kalisto, as well as Matt Hart, the grandson of Stu Smith's son, and Cody Hall, son of Scott Hall, Lots of Hart family members like Wayne, Keith, Ross, Diana Allison, and Georgia were scheduled along with former area stars Leo Burke, Gama Singh, Abu Wazel, Jerry Morrow, Cuban Assassin, and lots of Hart family members of former Stampede stars. Um, or lots of former family members of former Stampede stars. Uh, 
Yeah, this really isn't Stampede, but it's still like it's. And Bruce isn't involved in it. It actually looks like a better lineup. The the yeah the the results are down a little bit too. Like they drew a uh, thousand people for yeah. a later show. Yeah. Um. Just got a little bit more on this. Uh, the Heart Legacy promotion is running on January 18th. Recovery did a three-star tour in Edmonton and Rendon. So they're almost kind of doing what Candelo does. Yeah. And also what Danny Duggan does up there. Um, so the expense uh, must be big to bring in Kevin Ash, Conan, Bobby Lashley, Masters and Archer, uh, just in plain fare alone, along with Lashley, Lashley and Ash don't work cheap. Plus the pavilion and stampede days held 1800, but new fire regulations have reduced the capacity. They were also planning on bringing in Jushin Thunder Liger. Wow. For, for And I don't think that happened uh, in Calgary Medicine Hat. Uh, January 23rd, uh, Hard Legacy Wrestling, a uh, little over 1,000 fans. Flying's have shown this one. Can I talk about it? Yeah, you can. You can skip down the. Just go right to the results. Tremperetta was in it. Brian. Oh, here's the full results. So yeah. Here's the full results. El Generico. This. Listen to this show. El Generico and Samurai de la Soul. Callisto one a four over Tremperetta and Brian Cage, Pete Wilson and Kamikaze, and Andrew Hawks and Ryan Rollins. Jim Neidhart and Kat Von He's won a three-way over Johnny Devine and Miss Dania and Ryan Rollins and Nikita Narin. Heavy Metal, not the AAA wrestler won a battle royal. That's disappointing. Uh, <laughs> Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer beat Bobby Lashley and Chris Masters by DQ. Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer and Lance Storm beat Bobby Lashley, Chris Masters, and Johnny Devine. Teddy Hart and Flip Kendrick and Pete Wilson and Kamikaze and Brian Cage beat Jack Evans. And El Generico and Samurai De La Soul and Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Trump Rada. So a, there's a small, a guys, small card, but a lot of guys working multiple. But yeah, look, look at the names. Look at and look what they've look what they've done now. Um, so it's not Stampede with the name, but it pretty much is Stampede just with a different name. Yeah, and it looks like they're just kind of running these uh, super shows here. Um, you know. Let's see here. There's a lot on these notes here. Trying to kind of skim through here. Oh, the February 11th. You can just start off and going down. <laughs> at least a few, for, All right. few first paragraphs. So, even though the higher legacy promotion nearly sold out the pavilion, I've been warned ahead of time that financial problems were numerous. That They just can't make it. Well, look at that card. <laughs> yeah. uh, as they spent so much, uh, they were going to be losing money even when a sellout. Um, which is never good business. It appears that the promotion is already shut down with February shows being canceled. Uh, a lot of it, if not most of the people were paid late. Many were finally paid on January 29th. Some were paid before the date, although one source said it was just some Americans. Checks for both Landstorm and El Generico abounced, although the promotion told them they would make good on them. Even though it's called Heart Legacy Wrestling, uh, the, the key people in charge were not members of the Hart family. Uh, Teddy Hart and his father, B.J. Annis, were involved. Bret Hart made it clear he had nothing to do with it. Neither Bruce or Keith Hart were at the show. Wayne Hart worked as a referee, and Ross Hart was at the show, as is Diana Hart-Smith, since her son Harry worked the show. So, yeah, and... and they yeah again they drew really well it was it was Teddy booking it and then also too they're they're saying in February they're gonna have Nash and Lashley and all this and that and then obviously with this family <laughs> that's not happening um and then like they still talked about doing another show and wanted to work with New Japan and wanted Liger <laughs> Ghetto and Jado to be to appear so they're still it's the same issues that Stampede had so. And then on uh, February 18th, uh, 
report uh, that uh, this, it may be shut down, but uh, Spencer Tapley, uh, BJ Annis, and Teddy Hart are looking to keep and going with a new name. Just kind of skimming through. What are they going to call the name? Triple A Canada. Once again, Meltzer reports. Teddy, Teddy hasn't worn Triple A in a while. Triple A Canada. <laughs> yeah. Next Generation Wrestling. Where did they get that name from? Yes. So they're they're going to take the AAA name and the Matt Rats name since they can't have the name of, of the Hearts. Or it's not working anymore. Um, and the, this one they were doing an iPay-Per-View show. Uh, I'll just, that's, I'm surprised that stuff hasn't popped up on IWTV or something like that. It's probably in high spots. Um, but, yeah, wow. And then... Uh, just in 2013, Lance Storm, uh, you know, he, he kind of commented, I'm, "I'm being involved with that," and um, which much of the talent did end up getting paid for the Heart Legacy Family Show put on by several of the same people. Others still have not. As of this weekend, Lance Storm, whose check bounced, still has not been paid. He went on live audio wrestling and said, "I was contacted by Spencer Tapley, who organized all the press conferences here in town promoting the show. He asked me if I wanted to work Teddy's show, saying he and Teddy were organizing the show." The other people, uh, John Austin and Stacey Angel, were never mentioned to me until the show was over and people were to get paid. Don't you like that? Oh, by the way, this guy has your money. Who is this guy? We've had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, get your paychecks from the, or get your envelope from that guy. Some random guy you've never met before and like, oh, this guy's handling the money. Like, never was agreed Who upon. Who is that guy? <laughs> you, mean, you mean the guy running out the back door with a sack full of money? So whether it's Bruce or it's Teddy... Just trying to use the the heart legacy to run a promote. It just it just hasn't worked. It no, doesn't and it work. doesn't draw. It doesn't well, draw. It it doesn't draw on a consistent basis. They can do one off shows where they're promoting like nostalgia shows, and that will draw. But they can't capitalize on it. Um, and on May nineteenth, two thousand fourteen, Smith Hart contacted us last week saying that his brother Bruce and he had spoken to David Benoit about training with them and Harry Smith prior to a match as if he wasn't prepared. They had pulled him from the show. Bob Johnson said that Bruce and Ross Hart have nothing to do with Smith's Hart Hart Legacy Group. So now Smith Hart's doing Hart Legacy Wrestling and never will. Uh, and they and they train wrestlers at the Hart Brothers Academy. Well, the, the Smith Hart Hart Legacy Group, I believe, was running Barry. Around yeah. like Eastern Canada, so that's how we are associated with Smith, or not associated. That's how we know of of Smith Hart through our dealings. So Smith Hart, um, <laughs> it's a good enough time. A lot of us have worked in Canada and uh, kind of had experiences with him. And he, Bruce, will even say, "My crazy brother Smith." Like Smith was, and listen, I not, not trying to speak ill of the dad or whatever, but Smith was a very interesting individual he he would show up he he would just show up at, at these events events he's not booked on yeah, even just, and, and not just that like american events too he's gone to many bigger shows uh right across the border around the buffalo and western new york area um just to show up to hang out and it would end up being him and his handler would uh well, mostly his handler would negotiate with the promoter and be like, hey, can Smith have a table and set up a merchandise table? But they weren't selling Smith Hart's merchandise. They were selling WWF action figures, uh, old magazines like PWI magazines, 8x10s that were signed that there's always been 
uh, a debate on if those were actually signed. Like we've heard stories of Smith's handler taking like a John Cena picture and going behind a table and signing it himself and selling. And some of the stuff that was signed were people that were no longer with us. And oh, then, that's the, the and, yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> for example, British Bulldog figures, Owen Hart figures. Oh, Smith was called or not out. Owen Hart. I'm sorry, but British Bulldog. Smith figures. was called out at a, at a show once uh, by several people we know of selling a British Bulldog action figure. Uh, a Jax action figure that came out three years after David Boy Smith died. Yeah. Now, like I said, I mean, this is this is just what we've seen or heard. We're not saying it's an, on the record or anything like that. I mean, what has been on the record is that in Bret Hart's book, he did mention of not he couldn't allow Smith in his house because Smith would start going through drawers looking for money. Um, and there's another story of when the when the Hart's mansion was finally sold smith was living there and uh he refused to leave and hid himself in the mansion after it was sold yes yeah yep i, I mean did, i don't want to speak did you know that he actually used the mansion as a rent house to make money and was unwilling to give it up so he didn't even own it he was just renting it out and, and I, again i'm not speaking ill of the dead like he never did anything bad to me but these are documented cases yeah, never did bad to me but so look at the characters that tried to carry Stu's legacy of running a wrestling promotion. It wasn't Brett. It wasn't Owen. You know, it wasn't Davy Boy. It was Bruce Hart, <laughs> who, as you could tell, has a weird sixth sense of humor and very bad at handling money. Then you have Teddy Hart, which just go today on Twitter. And there's a Twitter that says Teddy Hart in jail. There's a Twitter <laughs> handle. Like, unfortunately, Teddy has a lot of legal issues. He and is then, currently in jail, according yes. to that Twitter. And as then of today. Smith Hart. Smith Hart is, he was a kooky man, like, and, and all these kind of like fraud stories. I mean, and there's also stories. Alleged, alleged, alleged. But the, the, uh, <laughs> there, there's stories. Smith Hart had a, uh, had a blog. It might be through Slam Wrestling. I, I don't remember, but he had a blog where he would trash Vince McMahon and, uh, for years on there. And it's always, we were kind of convinced that he didn't write that though. That someone yeah, there's a long-standing uh, rumor, the long-standing story in wrestling that it wasn't him; it was his handler that would pre- pretend to be Smith Hart online. But um, it, there's even stories. I know, like Lance Storm and Chris Jericho have told stories of being trained by Bruce, and where like Bruce didn't show up at, most of the time, or would show up to collect the pay. Like it, it's such a weird situation with all of the all of the sons in that family. Just a little bit more notes about the Hart uh, on April fifth or August fifteenth, two thousand sixteen. Uh, Matt Hart, the son of Smith Hart, started working the Indies on the Canadian Indie Circuit. Uh, December fifth, two thousand sixteen. Uh, Melter actually wrote an obituary for Principal Richard Pound, who uh, unfortunately passed away in that time period. Um, and September third, two thousand eighteen, a group called RCW ran a two night Smith Hart Memorial Tournament. Uh, over the weekend in Calgary, Matt Hart, who was a Smith's son and re- working regularly for the group, won the tournament, including beating the son of Impact's Gama Singh. Uh, Michelle, which is, um, you know, I don't think he signed yet. Because I, I know Gama had a bunch of those guys he got signed into deals, but I don't think his son got a deal yet. So No, his son, his son did have an Impact spot. He was part of the okay, he Desi Hit squad. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michelle, he's, he's not a, he's not in there right now you will, like they're not using gamma right now either so yeah uh michelle billington the ex-wife of dynamite kid who was always at the rcw show since michelle and dynamite's 
daughter working as a valet, Berin. Uh, before one of the matches, Billington uh, presented Matt Hart with Dynamite Kid's blue cape, and he wore early in his career that he wore early in his career with Stampede wrestling um and then so, so the history of stampede still exists in calgary even to this day that was 2018 like they're still uh they feds are still running and still harking back to those old days yeah and and so um <laughs> and this is in the notes this next thing is just you want because, to the dick stein words? You, you can go ahead Okay. You can, ju- you can basically just skip to like you can skip the ma- first paragraph like you just all right but it's dick so steinborn. it was a picture for dick steinborn but who is dick steinborn well i'll tell you in 1982, Smith Hart ran a stampede wrestling tour of Antigua and Guadalupe, where the television show aired and it became huge on the islands. The tour was very lucrative, and Smith then went to Puerto Rico, where he, he, his wife was from, with thousands of dollars in profits from the tour. Smith said that he didn't want to carry that much uh, cash while in Puerto Rico. Ross Hart said that Smith and Steiner had planned to buy Colombian pot with the money in a joint venture. That's the wrong drug to buy from Columbia. <laughs> and Matt Steinport, who was working in Puerto Rico to carry the money. Um, as the story goes, Steinborn took all the money, never bought the pot, and claimed it as money Stu Hart still owed him from 1980 run that he never received. Smith Hart then filed criminal charges against Steinborn, who was arrested and charged with theft. Smith was able to recover some of the money. Where did he file criminal charges? Like, maybe Guadalupe and Antigua? Like... I don't know if you could claim he stole pot from me. Yeah, like that couldn't have been in a court case. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and that's the hearts in independent wrestling pretty much. <laughs> Mostly Bruce and Stampede. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, on paper to bring Stampede Wrestling was great. But, you know, he just I don't think Bruce had the creative in- input. No offense. Like Bruce Hart, like I said, a guy would love to have a beer with and, t- and hear stories. But. Uh, to look at the names and you know the money and 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 just the TV deals falling apart and losing a lot of key talent and then just trying desperately to have other people help them and it, it just to a point where Calgary I think is too darn far away and too darn cold to be a <laughs> weekly terror like like even t- in today's world with the internet and everything like. I don't think you could have somebody run every night, even if it was on the internet. Like, I just don't think it'd be oversaturation. And, and I mean, all the power to him, like as much it, but, and the fact that he still tried in 2012, like, and then end up being some with Teddy. But, uh, I mean, Bruce Hart is one of those guys that I, I, on a personal preference would have thought he should have got like a WCW shot or something like that. But, uh, man, what an interesting individual. And, and and what Brett said, I mean, you took that legacy of Stampede Wrestling and you took it, you know, it's that would be. And this is what the whole thing with the AWA episode. Yeah, it'd be like, oh, now we're going to run in front of 50 people at like that'd be like if somebody right now would be like, I'm going to start ECW and then they're running in front of 15 people. <laughs> so you're following people on Twitter. They're yeah, exactly. claiming they're going to start these fights. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just, there, there's no need for it. I wouldn't even say ECW would be like, I'm gonna start wcw yeah. like a fed that drew thousands of people during its heyday and now you're drawing 75 people and just desperately trying to hold on to it like i don't i don't blame him for that like trying to run and drawing that like, because that's compa- like what he was drawing during that era was comparable with what indies were drawing all over north america that's understandable but i the way that he went about it like constantly trying to go back to honoring dead family members and and then honoring his father just to pop a house 
And yeah, again, a lot of no shows. How will WWE and, give me talent? Yeah, basically, like just desperately trying to get money from WWE and trying to run, <laughs> trying trying to run a WWE house show is basically what he was trying to do. So, uh, with that being said, we're gonna kind of you know wrap it up here. So, uh, oh, oh, and uh, I did look uh, the the Stampede Wrestling reboot pilot is on the network. Because okay. I know I remember seeing that with Mara on it, so that that is on the network. So that tells me WWE does own at Bruce least some run. of yeah, least the nineteen ninety nine to um, two thousand five run. That'll be interesting to check out. Definitely have to check that out. Uh, so for speaking of checking out, thank you guys for listening to this episode here. Of course, our good friends uh, and, and uh, the producers uh, Matt Johnson at the podcast precinct and everybody over there at BICBP uh, Radio Network for giving us a platform here. Um, we'll. Follow the social media like we did before. We'll kind of tease the next the next episode and let you guys know it. But uh, um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, make sure, like I said, to like everything. If you have a show idea, shoot us a message. Write it on the social media, whatever you got to do. But we're this was this was brought up as an idea, and so was ECWA Super Eight. We're all about the fans' ideas. Let us know what you want to hear, and we'll definitely talk about it. Um, you have any final thoughts, Ash? Nope. All right, so there it was, folks, the uh, Stampede Wrestling reboot from Bruce Hart, uh, and this has been Rediscovering Indies. I'm Chris Gullo. That's Jonathan Ash. Thank you for listening. This is Generic American Sports Podcast Center. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Generic American Sports Host Podcast Thing. Today in sporting news, some things happened that were some stuff and some other things. Some statistical values to back up those things are this. As you can see, the thing I just said statistically did happen. Yo, wait a minute. I feel like I could listen to this show anywhere and be just as bored. Why am I listening to this stuff? You want a better sports experience from your podcast? Head over to Hats, Tats, and Stats on the BICBP radio network. Not generic, not boring, and a little out there sometimes. Tune in. To Hats, Tats, and Stats on the BICBP Radio Network.